Hello and welcome to episode 33 of the Ram Nintendo Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Jose. And today's episode is All Things eShop, and as such, we're calling it On the Download. Uh, it's the download on the download. That, that's, the, that's the pun. Because everything's downloaded. Yep. Yeah, not actually, we're talking more of just eShop, but everything we're talking about today is a download, and almost everything is downloaded in some way. We'll start, uh, I mentioned last episode. How and if it's, it's not, like, then deal with it. Yeah, exactly. If it's not, then we we failed at fitting our own theme, and that's our fault entirely, and we apologize in well, advance. We, we could call our episode whatever we want, even if it's completely irrelevant. False advertising, though. Anyway, uh, yeah, we should just start naming them randomly. Hello and welcome to episode 33, episode Kittens ever. Love Puppies. Today's episode is all about the eShop. No, uh, <laughs> it's still on the download, but um, today's episode, we, like I said, um, focusing on the eShop. Last episode, we talked about the early physical retail game lineup for the early 2013 lineup for 3ds and wii u and since then we've realized that there's we were saying it's kind of a mixed bag in terms of what we'll be getting there's some there's maybe a drought but maybe not because it turns out there's a lot of eShop games coming in the next like month month and a half so we're going to dig into those on both wii u and 3ds we're also going to be uh sharing impressions of one of the wii u's uh big eShop titles actually it's best selling one supposedly uh trying to director's cut We'll have impressions of the Rayman Legends demo, which actually is different from the one that we've played in the past. And we'll be talking about the newly released Nintendo TV app. All that, plus our Game of the Year picks, since, believe it or not, we are mere days at the time of this going live. We are mere days from the end of the year. We survived the apocalypse, now we just have to make it to 2013. Yeah, the rest of our lives. And the rest of our lives. Or until the next apocalypse, whenever that is. Mm, Maybe next year. Or the year after. Or both. We seem to go around pretty quickly. Either way, uh, I say we just jump in with the eShop stuff. Uh, I mean, we know, really, we do know, we've known some of these games for a while, but we're getting some new information and some new insight into what will become the bigger games of probably the first quarter of next year on Nintendo's downloaded services. So, uh, yeah, let's start with the Wii U, I guess, the Wii U eShop. Why not? Uh, yeah, Nintendo, for most of these games, Nintendo had a press release or a press event recently where they, uh, you know, give people a chance to go hands-on. That's where all this info's coming from. So, uh, we know games like Toki Tori 2 and Runner 2, I love this subtitle, Future Legend of Rhythm at Alien, you know, they're both coming early 2013. A lot of these games we know about, but now we're getting actual, like, concrete info. So, uh, Runner 2 might be one of the bigger games coming to the eShop soon. It's from the Bit Trip guys. Um, it's the semi-sequel to Runner, Bit Trip Runner. They swapped out the 8-bit graphics for full, almost... HD claymation it's, it's, it's looking. 2.5D CG. Yeah, it's like CG claymation, and they're going with a totally different vibe. Uh, Commander Vea, the star of the Bit Trip games, basically gets transported to this other world, which is what he's running through now, the claymated world. And uh, the game, well, the in- more interesting things that was announced is the game's actually being narrated by our our pal, I think we'd call him that, we've met him, our pal Charles Martinet, the voice of Mario. He, uh, he will be playing himself, interestingly enough. So literally the game will boot and he'll be like, Hi, I'm Charles Martinet and this is Runner 2. Crazy subtitle I don't want to bother repeating. Um, so that's probably the biggest thing. And he's going to be narrating cutscenes throughout the game. He'll be doing fake commercials throughout the game. Some of which he improvised himself. Some of which were written by the developers. But uh, it's interesting to see Mario not being Mario. Added to his long repertoire of character voices. Yeah, because he's done a lot more than Mario. He was in Dragon Age, of all things, for example. I think whole... you mean um, Skyrim. No, he was in Dragon... Oh, was it? Yeah, he was, yeah, he, he, was, he was the dragon. You're right, it was Skyrim. But he's done... Uh, Wait, was that it? Mario and Skyrim Dragon? No, he's done a lot of other stuff. I'm just drawing Well, I mean, besides the other Mario family? Oh, no, he's done a ton. I just can't remember anything major. But, um... So, for this game, it's actually... 
it's kind of interesting why they chose Martinet. It wasn't just like we need a voice actor, there's one. They actually like picked him specifically. Uh, the founder of uh, Gaijin Games, I think that's how you say the name. They're the guys that make BitTrip. Uh, Alex Noose was saying in an interview with, I believe, Joystick, that they chose Martinet on purpose because, one, Nintendo platforms are kind of the home of the company. You know, all the BitTrip la games launched on Nintendo platforms. They did really well on Nintendo platforms. And Martinet is part of that Nintendo family that they call home. So they Which felt wish they, I should have waited. They, they felt it was... to be on the eShop. Yeah, it's only $15 now. I know, as opposed yeah, you, to the... you bought BitTrip Saga, the physical game, for 40 When it came out. Right, and now it's on the eShop for 15 yeah. So you had it for an extra half a year, basically. Or no, a year. You had it for an extra year. Well, I guess it's not bad then. No, I couldn't have waited a year. What would have happened if you had to wait that year? Would you have started, like, running through the street screaming? Or, like, why couldn't you wait a year? <laughs> Just what you said. Because, I couldn't oh, wait. Because, I mean, around that time, there weren't that many That's true. games. That is true. It was before the eShop took like off. Like, I kept wanting another reason to play it. Very true. But, yeah, so in addition to that being the reason, he was also saying that... Uh, Martinet has very can give a very cartoony angle to the game that matches its look and feel like old school cartoon where they had a narrator and you know that sort of thing and the zany like voices. Little Big Planet? I guess kind of like Little Big Planet that sort of vibe. Yeah. And lastly, and this is the kind of the odd one, he was inspired by Sega's Seaman uh, game for the Dreamcast, where you had the talking fish. Which it turns out I didn't know this. The intro was narrated by Leonard Nimoy, aka Spock, the original Spock. Oh. And he would go, I'm Leonard Nimoy, and this is Seaman, da-da-da-da-da. So that's where they got it from. It's kind of an homage. Huh. Oh, some other interesting things that, I, that they mentioned that they added to the game, because the original game just basically had you running through, like, auto-running through a level, mm -hmm. like, jumping to like, the rhythm of it. To, to give an idea... They, like, we've talked about it when we Yeah, but for people who have never played it, really quick, really quick summary. It's like, uh... It's like Cannonball, or Temple Run, or any of those mobile games that are, like, Jet Pack Joyride, any of those mobile games where the screen's auto-scrolling, you just have to keep up and dodge the obstacles. Or that's what it is. to be released game Harmonite. Or Harmonite. Well, Harmonite's a little different. No, same Because thing. it's... Yeah, actually, that's true, yeah. Or Harmonite. Yeah, same For thing. the 3DS, which, by the way, is the Game Freak. The Pokemon teams... Uh, no, which one's coming out first? This. Harmonite oh, doesn't have a release date. So I have a good amount of rhythm games coming up. Indeed. But yeah, Harmonite oh. will be uh, sometime in the... They haven't announced a date for Harmonite. They said 2013, but it'll be coming to the eShop as well. well the guess, 3DS eShop. Not I guess anyway, like, so besides that core gameplay, for some reason, I mean, I don't really know why they felt the need to do this. It's not bad, though. Well, they decided to add uh, online leaderboards. Mm -hmm. But in the original game, if you collected all the yellow bricks and you didn't get hit, obviously, there was only a, like a set high score you can get. So if everyone got a perfect, everyone would have the exact, the exact same high score. And the developers really didn't want that, so they implemented a dancing mechanic where at any point when you're running you could hit a button and um commander video will start dancing but when he's dancing you won't be able to move him whatsoever so you kind of have to pick and choose when you want to use it basically it's just another layer yeah and it gives you more points so the more you risk dancing the better rewards you get and i guess that adds more variables to the score so more people have different scores and they also added cannons where at the end of a level, like, this cannon will start aiming up and down and won't stop moving and you have to press A at the right time to try to shoot out a bullseye and the closer you get, the more bonus points you get, so... So basically they're making, more randomness. Yeah, they're basically more making it so it's not just another free-running or auto-running game. Yeah, it's so now you could together. compete for the highest scores, yeah. Which is cool, but I don't think that's something I would, um... Try to strive for. I'll just try to get the gold bricks and see what happens. Right, but I am definitely getting this game. BitTrip Runner... Here's the thing about BitTrip Runner, the original, is that... I was always like, oh, that looks cool, I want to pick it up, but I just never 
did. So this time I'm making sure, especially because it's a Wii U, you know, eShop town, there's not a whole lot of them yet. I'm making sure that I'm getting this game when it comes out in January. Why don't or you get the four, the other ones? It's only fourteen bucks now. Well, I'm, I, I'll do that. Get too. six games. No, but my point is like this. I don't know. This is like this was one of the launch window titles, so I feel more inclined than Bit Trip Rush came out however many years into the Wii life. I know that makes no sense and there's no logic, but I, I, I don't make sense and I don't have logic. Well, as long as you, don't, you beat this one. I don't beat anything. I mean, I'm an excellent gamer and I beat everything I play 100%. That is a lie. Next game. Uh, <laughs> so also in January, um, in addition to Runner 2, we're also getting The Cave. We've talked about this game before. Uh, quick refresher. It's a puzzle-heavy uh, adventure game. Players have three different character have multiple characters. You have three at one time, but I think there's a ton of different classes you can choose from. And they, uh, you know, they rotate. You can rotate between them to solve different puzzles. Each character does something different. Uh, the unique selling point of this game, well, there's a couple. One is it has co-op, so it's a puzzle-heavy adventure game. That's so I'm assuming co-op. you can play with the three people, right? I would imagine. I would assume so. I would assume so. And the other, and this is the real, like, oh, here's why it's important. Here's why it's interesting. Is it's being developed by Double Fine. You may know them as the developers of the critically acclaimed script, or sorry, Scribblenauts, Psychonauts, and Brutal Legend. And also, it's from the creator of Mandic Mansion and Monkey Island, which are classic adventure games for the PC, uh, Robert Gilbert. So that's coming in January. It's actually a multi platform release, but it will be on Wii U. And what we now know is it's going to be, in terms of graphics and gameplay, identical to all its other cousins on every system PS3, 360, Steam. Those will all be the same. Why not better? Because. But, well... It doesn't have to be, on. No, but here... Well, here's where it's different. In that it's going to use the gamepad, but in the simplest way you can imagine. The game will... No, not even that. The game will be on the top screen. The bottom screen will show your three characters. Tap them once, and you switch to that character. Tap it twice, that character, and it'll just move the camera to where they are if you need to solve a puzzle, but still want to use the other character. Because the camera sticks with your character you're playing. That's it. So literally, it's just three avatars on your bottom screen. That... On the touchscreen, that's all it does. Better, better than nothing. I mean, I get what they're trying to do. They don't want to like have to rebuild the game for oh, yeah, the gamepad. Yeah, yeah. It's just kind of like, all right, guys, that's something, I guess. Yeah, like I mean, you said, better than nothing, but not. I mean, really. so, so I mean, it's not like they are forced to use it. They could no, just have easily just like, the pro left controller. It. Yeah, yeah, or just left the screen blank or whatever. Yeah, so I mean, it is nice they're doing something, but uh, if the, anything, that's the whole thing. Developers are all afraid, like they don't want to leave it blank, but they yeah. don't want to use it, so they just don't bother. Yeah, it just seems like like when you said map, that makes so much more sense. Well, maybe not for how the game's structured, but it's yeah. Like I mean, I still yeah. I mean, maybe a map will give too much away. Now, here's what's weird: like, if you do co-op, you can't. From my understanding, you cannot have one player on the gamepad and one player using the TV. You still have to do split screen on the TV. That's kind of odd. Yeah, exactly. But um, the game itself, you know, the pedigree of the guys behind is pretty strong, so it'll probably still be a good game. It's just kind of an odd little thing. But that also comes out in January, so that's two big games in January. Um, really, that's. The only two big games for the Wii U's. Uh, actually, I take that back. There's Zen Pinball 2. That was supposed to hit the eShop this month. That was actually supposed to hit before this podcast was recorded, but I don't, it never surfaced, so that's coming as well. Um, we talked about that last episode pretty in-depth. But one thing of interest that hasn't been announced for America, but it's probably worth pointing out, is in Japan, Namco's actually doing something kind of interesting with the eShop. They are taking their retail game, Tank, Tank, Tank. The one that tanked. Or, as I like to call it, Tank, 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 Tank. Why? That game. Because it's more fun to say. They, uh, so they're taking Tank, 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 uh, and they're actually turning it into a free-to-play game of sorts that they'll let you download for free through the eShop. Obviously, it's free if it's free to play. Anyway, so how it works is the basic game, 
will be free, and you'll get a single map of a city, and you'll have three gameplay modes. Free-for-all, team battle, and a giant monster mode where you're tank-fighting giant monsters, obviously. Uh, those game, those modes and that map will be accessible multiplayer, single-player, however you want to play them, you can play them, but you can only play them three times a day. Then it locks you out. If you want to play it more than three times a day or build on top of that, you need to buy DLC. And how it's going to work is to get a DLC that includes additional maps for about two bucks a pop, but obviously in the end. Uh, the game's campaign mode is going to cost $26, which seems a little expensive. And the the Wii U exclusive uh, MyKong mode, because remember it was also an arcade game, so this is the, you know, the how it uses the gamepad, the MyKong mode, in which you, uh, one player controls a giant robot monkey on a tank, or any others are the tanks using Wiimotes to shoot it down. Uh, that mode is $12, although if, you, if you're in Japan and you buy it between now and the end of January, it's only $2.50, which is actually a pretty good deal. So... Should you buy everything in Tank 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 as a download purchase? Should you buy it at all? If you buy it at all, and if you buy everything, it actually comes out to be $5 more than the retail price. It'll be $65. Bucks. Hmm. And, but if you buy piecemeal, it's actually not that bad of a deal. Like, I would... Tank Tank Tank... We, I played the arcade. Like, the actual arcade version. It's kind of fun in short bursts. I mean, I think the idea of doing it like piecemeal like this might actually kind of work for Namco in the sense that... Like, I would never pay full price, but I wouldn't mind getting... You know, the game for free with one map, which is essentially a demo. And then going, oh, I'm going to get two or three more maps for all by my Kong mode. And then that's 10 bucks, 12 bucks, And that's it. Then I'll stop there. I don't necessarily need every single mode. So it's, it's nice that they're letting you kind of pick and choose what you want. Because there's no way I'd spend 60 or 50 or 40 or 30 or even 20 on this. But for 10, why not? You know, what's the harm in that? Like, it can be fun for a couple of rounds. So, it's actually, in my mind, a lot of people are like, oh, Namco, Scamco is their nickname on the web. They're ripping people off. Yeah, if you buy the whole thing, you're better off getting the disc. But if you just want a piece of it, yeah, cause it's I mean, not that Honestly, bad. Like, most people probably aren't even going to get this game to begin with. Right. So, just so getting this part get of it is better than nothing. Exactly. Because, I mean, we've read or seen that the campaign isn't the camp- Yeah, I wouldn't pay 26 I mean, bucks for the one, campaign. It's a one-button game. Like, you're literally just... You, yeah, I can see it being... All the buttons do the same thing. I can see so. it being fun for multiplayer. Yeah, like for ten bucks to have a you know a game that you can I mean, pull a out every once in a while. Bad. I mean, most of Nintendo Land's games are one button or no button yeah. at all. Just look at Chase. Chase yeah, so Mario it's just Chase. like yeah, there's no way I spend a lot of money on it, but for a few bucks. And this model of giving you the basic thing for free, and then building on top of it—that's what Zen Pinball Two is doing. I mean, and that works for it on other platforms already, where you get the core, you get a couple pinball tables, you get the core game, and then you buy whatever other pinball tables you want and flesh out the game as you want, customize it basically. So. It seems like Nintendo's obviously allowing this, and I hope other developers kind of follow suit, as long as it's not a rip-off. I'll make that clear. If it ends up being like uh, Tank Tank Tank, where if you get the full game, it costs more than it would at retail, I'm not a fan. But if it's like Zen Pinball, where, you know... it's like Well, a- I mean, at, at that point, you might as well just getting it at retail. Yeah, but if it's like Zen Pinball, where it's only a digital download, and it's only, a, you know, every so often they update it with new stuff, and it's a couple bucks here, a couple bucks there, that I would be interested in, I think. I mean, that's kind of what normal DLC is, like Mario, New Super Mario Bros. 2 on the 3DS, that's how they do it. You know, it's, here's 250 for some new levels, here's 250 for some more new levels. Like, that's, although I wish they included more than three levels per pack, but on principle, I'm okay with that Man, concept. that last batch of DLC, that impossible The impossible pack, pack I know. Pretty awesome. I haven't actually played it, but I watched the video, and I was just like, how? How do you even play it? I, I, I got pretty close to being the first level. Really? Yeah. Nice. But, um... Yeah, so I think I think it's cool that Nintendo's allowing this, and it'd be interesting to see if other developers hop on board, pre- preferably indie developers, who you know, this is. It seems like how this would their... be more indie. 
Well, Namco is certainly not indie. Well, I mean, but... well, yeah, but they yeah, no, kind of made a game that's not really the most equipped to go pay 60 bucks for. So. Yeah, yeah, I get what you mean. But, um, so yeah, uh, for the Wii U eShop, just in summary, there's three pretty big games coming out probably within the next 30 days or 45 days. We have Runner 2, we have The Cave, and we have Zen Pinball 2. Plus whatever might not have been showcased or announced yet. So that's the next month of Wii U. Not bad. Helps alleviate a bit of the drought, right? Because there's no retail releases I'm aware of coming out in January at all. So it helps. Uh, flipping it over to handhelds, though, we have the 3DS, which is getting its own share of uh, upcoming games in the next month or so. Uh, Fluidity Spin Cycle... Actually, it's actually having a pretty steady release pattern. Fluidity Spin Cycle just came out this past Thursday. So there's that. Tokyo Crash Mobs, which we talked about last episode. That's Magnetica or Zumba. Not Zumba. Zuma. Zumba's a gym, a gym fitness routine. Yeah, Zuma with people. Uh, that's coming out sometime early next year. Uh, we also know about... We've already known about games like Ikachan, which is from the Cave Story team. It's a St. Nicholas is the publisher, and I believe Pixel, the guy that did case stories involved in some way. Basically, 16-bit, 2D, top-down Zelda-style game, set underwater, and you're a squid. Top-down? Yeah, yeah, like Zelda. It, it, looked, like, it, it looked more, like, is that top 2D. Down? No, it looked 2D. Oh, is it left-right? Yeah, it looked left. Well, I mean, you could go in any direction, but it's from a not top-down perspective. It's just... Well, it, how do you show a squid from the top? It's just underwater. Oh, okay, it's fine. Just so it's a side-scrolling... You can just swim in any direction All right, you want. so side-scrolling... I know it's supposed to be Zelda-esque in gameplay, so side-scrolling <laughs> Any, any side-scrolling... Side-scrolling adventure game. Better? Yeah. 16-bit underwater, you're a squid. Yeah. So we know about those. Because I, I just didn't think that top-down. Yeah, you're right. That was bad. bad way of describing it. Um, What we didn't know, and what we now know, is Capcom, as part of Mega Man's 25th anniversary, which included a fan game of Street Fighter Cross Mega Man that's only on PC, unfortunately. I really want to try it, but it's I don't free, have... It's free, though. Yeah, it's free, but it's only on PC, and I only have a Mac and Nintendo consoles. Don't you have, like, a... Mirror? I'm not gonna put it on my... I'm not gonna put it on my mom's laptop, or my dad's laptop, so I'm stuck. Oh, you don't have, like, an emulator for Windows or something? Oh, I could do a boot camp, couldn't I? Mm-hmm. I should do that. Well, anyway, so as part of the 25th anniversary, Capcom's announced that they're bringing Mega Man 1 through 6, all the NES Mega Mans, to the 3DS, um, the eShop as virtual console games. The first one, Mega Man 1, came out this past Thursday. Mega Man 2 comes out February 7th. And and then after that, it's a regular release schedule. Whenever they do. Yeah, basically yeah. like one every two months, I'm guessing, because that's apparent. They just set. Yeah, and I cover time. almost the whole year. So... <laughs> Capcom's like, oh, alright, we're good. Yeah, I really hope, though, I would love to see him do a 3D Classics Mega Man. Along oh. the lines of, like, you know, Excite Bike or Kirby's Adventure you or mean like, like, You mean, like, actually try and make it cool? Yeah, 3D, yeah, yeah. Not, not just no, Kirby's try. Adventure. Not, not like Kirby's Adventure, more like, uh, okay. um, more like Excite Bike or even Urban Champion, which, yeah, the game isn't that great, but the, the way they the, tilted the, the, the perspective that, is cool. I know, it's like, the ones that aren't. That great, although ones that have the best 3D treatment. Yeah, like Twin Bees supposedly has good 3D treatment, but it's just a you know top down. Well, yeah, I mean that's a top down show. It still works if it's just yeah. like well, yeah, same yeah. thing with Zevius. I think that one yeah. works on 3D. But it'd be cool if they did that. And I, I, I feel like I read somewhere that Capcom community rep said they're open to the idea, but they would need a, you know, nothing to announce. But it's an interesting idea. But yeah, um, yeah, that's what's that's you know you're gonna get that for the eShop every couple of months now. And on the brand new game front, opposed to Virtual Console, there's actually uh, this coming Thursday on January 3rd, we're gonna see a we're gonna see two fairly interesting releases. 
One is uh, a Mega Man Mario platformer mashup of sorts called Gunman Clive. It's set in the Old West. It's It has this cool sepia-toned sketchbook look to it. Like, everything looks hand-drawn and sketched. And it's, sepia, and it's all sepia-toned colored. And it's really a cross between Mega Man and Mario in terms of how it plays. And the game, it's been out on smartphones, tablets, etc. for a while. And it was two bucks on those platforms. And in a kind of unusual move, this game's also going to be only two bucks when it comes to the eShop, even though it's now 3D and it now has buttons opposed to touchscreen virtual joysticks and that sort it of thing. It could be better. Yeah, it's probably going to be better. I mean, the, it's been out in Europe for a few weeks, and what I've been reading is people really like it. And the craziest thing about I know I'm for sure getting it. And the craziest thing about it is it's developed by a single guy who's actually a member of the NeoGAF, uh, you know, the gaming forum. He's just posting on there like, oh, yeah, here's the progress update on the game. Da, da, da. So one guy did this, and it's getting pretty good reviews. So for only mm, two bucks, you cool. really can't go wrong. It's a pretty decently length, you know, decent length game. So there's that next Thursday. And we're also going to be seeing Unchained Blades, which is a bit of an experiment, I think, on the part of Xseed Games, its publisher. So, Unchained Blades... It's that weird RPG one that's like... It's a first... It gets into like Dragon Quest it's mode a whenever first you go into person, a battle or something. And... Yeah, it's a first-person dungeon crawler. So, how... Here's, here's what's strange about it. Not so much the gameplay. In Japan, it was a full retail game. Xseed decided they weren't going to bother dealing with, you know putting out cartridges and pressing them and all that money that's involved with distribution. And instead, they're just throwing it on the eShop, and it's going to be 30 bucks. So what you get for 30 bucks is you get a full RPG. It's directed by uh, a guy, one of the main guys behind the Lunar series. It's written by a guy behind the uh, Grandia series. Just an idea of what type of RPG. It's a very, you know, Japan-heavy, like a very... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Japanese, a very Japanese RPG in that sense. Uh, the Japanese dungeon crawler, right? Yeah, it's a Japanese dungeon crawler. Because their JRPGs are also really different from the dungeon. No, but it has like the vibe of like Lunar oh. and Grandia and those sorts of games. Shining Soul, all those people are involved in different ways. Or Shining Force. Yeah, Shining Force. Yeah, Sh- well, Shining Soul is a spinoff. Of Shining- anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah. So the character designs are gonna be a whole bunch of different like big name Japanese RPG developers are doing the character design, and the game, as we say, it's a first person game. You control a party of four characters each of whom can have their own four monster companions who act kind of as your defense barrier and to boost your special attacks. And these monsters, they become your companions when they're unchained, hence the name Unchained Blades. Yeah. Uh, so, like I said, it's $30, but for $30, you're promised full English voiceovers, 60 hours of gameplay. Like, that's this a is a... Ton. Yeah, this is literally a retail release that C decided also... we're just gonna... We're just going to put it on the eShop and not deal with distribution. See, I'd be intrigued, but I don't know. I, I, I don't have... When I want, when I know a game is over the 40-hour limit, <laughs> I have to have nothing else, no other games currently on. Otherwise, yeah. I'm not going to finish it. That's like what unfortunately happened to Xenoblade. Yeah. I heard it was like 80 hours, like four hours in, and it just stopped. <laughs> just because I need to beat everything else. Right. Well, here here's why I felt it was worth mentioning. Is This is the first game that I'm aware of. There might be one other. Actually, there's one other. It's a horse-riding game that... Is probably shovelware, but there are very few games on the eShop that are literally, literally full games, just only on the eShop. Like this is an interesting approach because Exceed specializes in niche Japanese-centric games, or you know RPG, RPGs, Last Story. They do all sorts of stuff like that. Hmm. So now that they're saying they're basically saying we don't even need to have physical distribution, we can do even more niche titles that have an even smaller audience if we just throw it online and charge a somewhat reasonable, you know. Expensive for on expensive for an eShop game, but reasonable for a retail game prices. So, because you know, there's only going to be however, x number of fans that will buy this game. 
So in the past, companies would just have to say, that's not worth our investment. But now it is. They can still make their money back because there's no distribution charges on the eShop. There's no worrying about, you know, shipments or or how many each GameStop gets or anything like that. It's just straight up here. It costs $0 for us to put this on a server. So here you go. So they can make their money back a lot faster. So I'm hoping if this does well, that bodes well for other niche games across all sorts of genres coming to eShops on both, you know, both 3DS and Wii U because... Game, developers can take more of a gamble. I think that's why Nintendo's releasing Tokyo Crash Mobs in the U.S. That would never have seen the light of day if it was a cartridge release. Yeah, but that's still... I mean, I feel like there's still, like, can't, like well, not that kind of... Uh, layers in terms of those um, straight-only downloadable games. Like, Tokyo Crash Mob, that's, like, a, it's under 10 bucks, right? Yeah, that's a little different because that was built for the ground up for download. But what I'm saying is if someone at Nintendo in the past was like, I will have this game, it's full motion video, it's about these two Japanese schoolgirls, and they have to stand in line a lot. So what do they do? They basically play a glorified game of Zuma. Let's make it a game. Nintendo would go, we're not putting that on a cartridge. Are you crazy? There's no way that's selling outside of anywhere. That, no. But for 10 bucks on the eShop, they can do it. So this is kind of the same logic. A developer can take the risk they would never take before because it's much cheaper to take that risk. They can bring Unchained Blades, which they know will sell 20,000, 30,000 copies easily and make their money back on those 20,000, 30,000. Oh, and not to worry about distribution costs. Really hope Capcom does that with... All those games they don't want to release here. Like uh, Ace Attorney Investigations 2? Yeah. Yeah, see... That would make more sense for them to do it for download. That's what I'm saying. Like, hopefully, if Unchained Blades is successful, hopefully that gives a message to, you know, third party. Capcom, (laughs) please. Hopefully that gives I need that game. (laughs) Oh, man, I would want the cartridge, though. uh, Yeah, well, take what you can get. But I'm hoping... The point is, I'm hoping that, you know, even if it's not the same genre, if Exceed sees success with Unchained Blades, hopefully other publishers, other third-party 3DS publishers and Wii U publishers will be like, oh, hey, let's try something similar with one of our games. And then, you know, we get a whole variety of games we would never normally see. Yeah. That's why I meant. And that's why I brought, and that's the main reason I brought it up, because personally, I don't think I'm going to buy it, but on principle, it's very interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's a good indicator of things to come. Exactly. If it does well. Exactly. Uh, one other game that was actually just recently announced, like since Nintendo's little blowout of eShop titles, is uh, sometime this spring we're going to be seeing a 3DS port of Swords and Soldiers. I don't know if you remember this from WiiWare. Not at all. It's this side-scrolling strategy game. Yeah, you heard me. It's a strategy game, but it's side-scrolling. And uh, it got pretty good res- response on WiiWare. It ended up being released on pretty much every platform, I believe, after WiiWare. And now it's coming full circle and it's coming back to Nintendo and it's going to be ported to the 3DS. This was not a pun that I had planned when I said full circle. But it's going to be ported by a company called Circle Entertainment, who will handle the duties for the original developers. Um, they're actually based out of Hong Kong, of all places. And interestingly, they approached the original developers about porting it. They're like, hey, we love this game. Any chance we could bring it to 3DS? You, we'll, you know, we'll do it. You just advise. And they're like, sure. <laughs> so, so that's where it stands. They didn't sound that excited. They're still wor- Well, I'm not. That wasn't an accurate reenactment. Fine. Here's how it went. They walk into the meeting room, right? Uh-huh. They meet with them. They sit down. They go, hi, we are Circle Entertainment. They brought the whole team. We are Circle Entertainment. They didn't have enough chairs. Some of them had to stand in the back. We're Circle Entertainment. We love swords and soldiers. We want to bring it to the 3DS. And then the, the team of the, that made the original is sitting there scratching their chin and going, free money? Yes, please. And now they're doing it. That's what happened, I imagine. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I could see that. Yep. Anyway. <laughs> the only light source being the lamp on the desk. Yeah, the only light source was the lamp on the desk. For some reason, it looked like a shady PI 
office from like the 1940s and they were all drinking scotch and even though they're hong kong and even though one development team is hong kong for some reason they spoke with really thick mobster accents because that's just what they did no uh but the game yeah it's basically at this point all they're saying is gonna be is the original game in 3d but they're in the process of figuring out they can do dlc for additional content or offer a free demo so people can try it before they buy so that's being worked out but it should be coming this spring so anyone who wants to try what sounds like an interesting mix of side-scrolling and strategy, you'll have a chance. Are there any, I'm assuming there's trailers and other footage. Right? Yeah, no, it's been out on WiiWare, and it got pretty good reviews. So like, uh, it did decently. Like curious it, it was one it was one of the games that like people kept an eye on when it was first announced for WiiWare. But this was years ago, so by now, obviously. And once it came out, people were like, eh. No, more like it came out, people that were interested bought it, and then, you know, it's been two, three, four years, so it kind of died down. But it was released subsequently. Subsequently, on every single platform and under the sun, so oh. so obviously it did well enough to port to everything else. Because yeah. if a game bombs super hard, you don't usually port to every other platform imaginable. No so fears. it runs on the Engage. Whoa! <laughs> but yeah, that's so that um, that's what's coming in the next. It's almost as crazy as um, Square Enix still making DLC for that Final Fantasy RPG. They're all RPGs. No, not the RPG, the, the, the MMO <laughs> from 2002. Final Fantasy XI? Yeah. They're still making DLC yeah, they, for it? They just announced DLC what? for it. What? I didn't know that was still it's running. It's cool that they're like, making DLC for a really old game, but they should probably be making um, you know, a new game, uh, <laughs> Final Fantasy XIII. I had no idea that was still running. <laughs> Interesting. No, they're too busy porting everything they own to iPhone and iPad. Theater oh. Rhythm just came out on iPhone. If, and it costs way more if you buy all the DLC. Wait, you, didn't they... They have something to do with Hitman, right? Ab, yeah, uh, Square Enix bought Eidos a few years ago. So Hitman, Tomb Raider, all that's under Square Enix mm. now. Yep. It's interesting. The best thing about Square Enix right now, though, is their action figure line. Pretty cool. The play arts line. I, awesome. Do you own A? No. I've seen, yeah, I've seen them at Comic-Con. Yeah, they're, they look amazing. They do. They're really detailed. They're really detailed. Yeah. But back to eShop, 3DS. So that, for the next month, month and a half, that's basically what we're getting on the 3DS. So once again, much like the Wii U, not a, you know, nothing to completely cancel out a drought, but between Fluidity Spin Cycle, Mega Man 1 and Mega Man 2, Gunman Clive, Unchained Blades, Swords and Soldiers, plus whatever, Ikachan, plus whatever hasn't been announced. Inevitable Mutant Mode sequel that they have. Inevitable, well, yeah, but, yeah, exactly, they teased it. There's stuff. And then, and then the Probably Shantae. a new way for the new Shantae, which they haven't even talked about since it was unveiled in Tail Power in November. There's stuff. Yeah, there's stuff. To, there's more things there's to look forward to on the eShop right now than there is that's on the eShop. Yeah, that's, a, that's why I think it's, it's great. Cool. That's why I kind of think it's great that we have a whole episode dedicated to the eShop today because it's just like, you forget. When, like, last episode we talked about the lineup for Wii U and 3DS and we mentioned eShop, but it was primarily retail games. We talked about it for an hour and we kept going, oh, we're missing so many games. Well, this helps fill that void. Yeah. It's not going to completely fill it, but it certainly helps. I think years so. ago I was so skeptical about, like, downloadable games back when, like, that were still a new thing. Who was? Not me. Oh, you. I thought you said I was. I was like, yeah, no, I was yeah. like, I don't think I'm going to get a downloadable game. And not yeah, like, you own, have, like, 55 on your 3DS. You have six on your, wait, no, four on your Wii U. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. Yeah. I know one of the best I, I literally have, a downloadable game. I literally cool, have... Right? Yeah. Freaking Journey is, like, destroying a lot of... Yeah, it's winning a lot of awards, and it's only downloadable on the PS... Like, it's a PS3 game that's only through download. Yeah, Forgotten Swan, that's also getting a lot of attention. But yeah, I mean, like, just just give an idea of how, like... You don't really think about it, but downloads kind of... Considering how downloads have kind of permeated everything, I have, like, 80 apps on my iPhone. 
I don't think of myself as someone that heavily downloads stuff. I have 80, 80 apps. <laughs> That's a lot. It's insane. I just don't delete them when I'm done with them. But it's just like, it's crazy. Like, you don't really think about... You might think, oh, I don't download much, but you probably have a lot of stuff you download on your computer, on your phone, on your game system. Like, it's kind of taking over our culture. Yeah. Which is probably why Nintendo was so eager to put every third-party Wii U game on the eShop so quickly. They know the few, They know what's happening. Yeah, I really like the idea of just having all those games on there. Yeah. Especially for people that just got a 3DS. And that means that they decide to just stop printing them like they do with a lot of older games. Yeah, but see, then Nintendo's being stupid at the same time. Because, yes, they put uh, Pilot Wings, for example, just hit the eShop on the 3DS two weeks ago. You know, the launch title Pilot yeah, Wings yeah. Resort. Should have made it cheaper. Yeah, here's the thing. You could buy it for five... GameStop, for like four months, was literally giving the game away for free with the 3DSs. Or, that Steel, and, Diver. or Steel Diver, which still isn't on the eShop. But they were literally like, we can't sell this, please just take it. The game's, I like the game, but it's only four hours long and it's not worth $40. That's $10 an hour to fly around in an airplane. You know what other games only four hours long? No. Oh, no, it's Little Inferno, but yeah, it's not the point. It's just because you said four hours. Like, oh, you're just like, oh, okay. Pretty coincidence, because that one's not $40. <laughs> yeah, that's 10 right now, because it's on sale. Mm-hmm. Which reminds me, actually, if you need something else to buy... We'll be talking about trying to later this episode, but Chasing Aurora is on sale for $7.50. Yeah, Little Inferno's $5 off. off. Yeah. Little Inferno, how much? $51? Is that what you said? Yeah, because it's seven forty nine and it's usually right. $14.99. Little Inferno is uh, $10 bucks instead yeah. of $15. Trine is $4 off, so you're paying 16 instead of 20 And for all those prices, they're all worth their value. Yeah, and we'll be talking yeah. a lot about a whole bunch of the eShop games in the coming weeks because that's basically what we'll be playing, so we'll have impressions of all, pretty much all of it. And as I mentioned later this episode, we'll try to, to kick that off. Um, but what was I getting at? Right, so Pilot Wings, oh, yeah. Pilot Wings, Pilot Wings. They charge $40 for it on the eShop. It's free from GameStop when you buy a system, and it's like 10 bucks or 5 bucks at Best Buy and Fry's, depending on when you go. Nintendo needs to realize no one's going to buy it for $40 when they can get it for 10 Man, what the shell, Nintendo? Please don't. Do hey, that. I'm not cursing. Yeah, but you're not a Ninja Turtle either. Oh, scrap. <sighs> but anyway, yeah, and, and interestingly, they actually discounted Pokemon Rumble Blast also just hit the 3DS eShop, and it still retails for 40 but they're selling it for 35 on the eShop. So maybe they're starting to dabble in cheaper prices, but not by much. No. And then, but then on the flip side, you have Axis Games, who we talked about BitTrip Saga is now on the eShop. It's $15 versus 40 Like, they realize... When it's a download, the value... Wait, but that you said um, Nintendo doesn't set those prices, right? The developers? Right, but I'm, Yeah, I know, but I'm saying... Oh, if if, if Axis Games is going, it, yeah. hey, check this out... You it's think like the whole Gunman Clive thing instead of it being only, 10 bucks. Right, it's 2 bucks. You would think Nintendo would go, oh, huh, BitTrip Saga is selling pretty well on the eShop, maybe because it's 15 instead of $40 yeah, for a short game. if Cut the Rope was the same price as on the App Store, I would definitely get it. Yeah, Cut the Rope is what? $4 on the eShop? $5? $6? Tar- it's a little more. Yeah, it's $0.99 cents on the App Store. And on the App Store, you get the crisper graphics because Retina display. Yeah. How so. much is Pen vs. Zombies on the App Store? Is it also a dollar? Right now it is. It's usually three. But oh. it's a dollar now for the holidays. Yeah, I don't remember how much it was on the eShop. Not much more than three, I don't think. That one's actually pretty close. But still, yeah. just like... That, one, that game is long ago, so it is still worth it. Yeah. Yeah, point being, Nintendo sort of gets... Like, they get that everyone's going online to download things, but they don't seem to get how pricing works. So hopefully that changes. Not at least they rich. At least they do sales now. Like the the Wii U tiles we were talking about. Yeah. But um, leaving the eShop for a bit, even though this episode's pretty dedicated to it, we, there is news outside of the world of digital. 
Let's go into the world of analog, shall we? The real world. Oh, IRL. Wait, really, really quick. Um, sure. Thing. Okay, backing um, back into digital. <laughs> how again are we supposed to get notified about the the digital download promotion? You go to the website. Oh, that reminds me. The site's up. For anyone who That's has, because I have bought in three. Yeah, games. for anyone who's a deluxe. And good thing you asked. For anyone who's a deluxe set owner of the Wii U, if you go to Nintendo.com, they'll have a link. I forgot the exact URL. But if you go to Nintendo.com, I have a link to a deluxe digital promotion website. You go there, you enter your Nintendo Network ID and password, and it'll show you how many points you accumulated through eShop downloads, which, remember, basically a dollar is equal to 100 points. Is that how it works? I think so. Or is it a dollar is equal to one point? I don't remember, but I remember they said if you spend... It's a dollar is equal to 100. But if you you buy a $50 game, you get five bucks or something like that. Yeah, yeah, how it works is for every... A $59.99 game gets you 599 points. And every 500 points, you get a $5 gift certificate so how it works is you go to the website you check your point balance if you're over 500 you can choose to get a five dollar discount code or you can you know wait till it's 10 or whatever and do it then so you go there you check your point balance you tell it i want the code it'll give you the code you enter the code on your system of preference wii u or 3ds yeah i mean right, and then you right, get right the about discount. when the eShop says enter promotional code or whatever so. right yeah it's right there so that's how it works you have to go to the website you have to log in with your nintendo network id and password and only then will you be able to view everything you can't do it on the wii u itself well that's not hard at all no. Word of warning, though. I've yet to download anything new, like any new games, not demos, from the eShop. Like, you're the one that's talking about trying to later. Not me. Um, so if you go to the website and you enter your password and name for your Nintendo Network ID, it will say it doesn't recognize it. You have to purchase something first before the site will let you in. Otherwise, it tells you you have the wrong password or the sign-in doesn't work or... So just word word to the wise, because I was like, wait, why does my password not work? So actually I went back to my Wii, reset my password, tried it again, and only then did I see the fine print where it said you have to have purchased something first. I mean, as odd as that is, I mean, there's really no point in checking the site if you haven't bought anything. Right, I was just curious how it worked. Like, I was just curious about functionality. But, so fair warning, buy something before you go to the site, or else you'll be like me and change your password for no reason. Well, well, at least that means it'll be hard to hack me because anyone that was halfway there so is now back to the thing before I Right, let's leave the world of digital, shall we? Let's, what? let's go to real life, retail, where you walk into a store. You don't have a digital shelf like in the 3DS eShop where they change the displays weekly. You have to go to a physical store where there are people that are physically changing displays instead of just clicking buttons. And that's so old-fashioned. I know. But it still exists, and there's new games coming to that, too. Uh, in the past, Surprisingly, over the Christmas holiday, two new games were announced. One, uh, Nintendo confirmed that Pokemon Mystery Dungeon is coming to the 3DS here in the States. This was announced for Japan a while ago. We never got around to covering it. What's the subtitle this time? Uh, this time it is... Good question. It's Gates to Infinity. Infinity, sorry. Oh. Gates to Inf- I can read. It's Gates Wait, to Infinity. there's two versions, right? No, there's oh. one. There's only one. Huh. This time there's only one. It's called Gates to Infinity. It's, they're, jump- they're making the jump from 2D sprite-based dungeons with sprite pokemon to fully 3d polygonal rendered you know stereoscopic 3d everything uh players are once again going to be going through uh you know the spin-offs randomly generated dungeons that's kind of a signature thing mystery dungeon games both pokemon and non it's a series that pokemon just jumped onto basically but um the whole thing is you go through randomly generated dungeons and whatnot so you're doing that again there's gonna be 20 of them built into the core game into the primary game but on top of that they're also going to have these new additional dungeons you can unlock using AR. So they have this, this new thing they're calling a Magna Gates. And basically, there's going to be a round ob- there's round objects everywhere in the world. You might be drinking from a mug. That's round. You might be eating a well, loaf of you, bread. It could be round if it's not square. 
<laughs> you might be looking at a car tire because you're listening to podcasts while looking at car tires. So that that's round two. Point being, you take your 3DS, you hold it up, and you get teleported into a Magna Gate, which is basically... You yourself. You yourself. Watch the trailer. That's how You it works. yourself will go into the game. No, basically, yeah. So you take a picture of something 3D, or 3D, something round, and the game will turn into a new... It'll turn into a Magna Gate. Yeah, which is basically a dungeon based loosely on what you took the picture of, I guess. So that's that. That's the big new feature. That's the big 3DS only possible thing, supposedly. Now here's the thing. I've played a couple Mystery Dungeon games at various events, but I I don't know. I've never gotten into them that much. First of all, the talking Pokemon's a little strange to me. All the Pokemon talk. Like English, oh. you know, it's yeah, like, I'm okay with that what's up, Pikachu? Oh, not much, Totodile. How's it going? Like that doesn't, that's not supposed to happen. You're supposed to go Pika Pika Pikachu, Toto Toto Totodile. Oh, well, I, don't know. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm okay with the talking <laughs> Pokemon. It's just, I, I'm just not a fan of Dungeon Crawlers. They are too. Yeah, I don't really like that. That's my second point. I'm I mean, not I like, Dungeon I mean, Crawlers. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I like a slow game, but that's when it kind of yeah. works towards something. I don't else. like level grinding. It, yeah, it gets kind of boring. I don't me. like level grinding with the exception of main Pokemon games, and even then, as we talked about way back in episode. 27 pocket monster problems i think it was episode 27 even way back then we were saying we're getting tired with level grinding in pokemon yeah i mean so. that's also why i couldn't really get into Dempaman. it's the same thing yeah it, that's actually a good example if you play Dempaman, pokemon mystery dungeon is that with pokemon instead of strange little or, wi-fi alien people or if you happen to play um chocobo tales on the ds that's, that's awesome or chocobo stories on the wii <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, i was gonna yeah. say wii u and then right it's only the wii on yeah. the Wii, yeah, that's also. I think we got them backwards. Is it Diablo Dungeon Crawler? Not in the same way, but it is. Yeah, but not in the same way as the Mystery oh, yeah, Dungeon yeah, yeah. game. Yeah, neither Runner. All Runner the games we just listed are all Mystery Dungeon esque. Very, very, very similar, if not the same yeah. structure. So, so that's coming out. So that comes out March twenty fourth. So that's another 3DS game in addition to Luigi's Mansion, Castlevania, uh. Animal Crossing New Leaf Woo! if it sees the light of day and before spring, which I'm starting to doubt. I know. So there's stuff. We're probably behind the Japanese. They already had the, the Japanese game for have a long had time. the Japanese have had it for quite a while, and the game's doing gangbusters. I know. Right? It, it sold like two, two million. million like, first 3DS game, yeah. second 3DS game to sell. No, first 3DS game to sell two million and faster than, than any other game is. Yeah, sold. I was looking at this really awesome gift, the one that had yep, the chart, yep. like New, Super, can, New Super Mario 3D Land. Um, Mark, no, was it Mario Kart? New Super Mario Bros. 2 yeah, was the closest. They showed a whole bunch of games, and some had, you know, normal curves of sales. And then Mario does a little better because it launched with the XL. And then you see Animal Crossing, it's literally like a straight line up the graph. Like, yeah. it's insane how fast it hit that goal. If you want to see the the, uh, the awesome little gift for yourself, I think, I want to say Tiny Cartridge put it together, but uh, we have a link on the on the blog post that corresponds with this podcast. As always, you could just go around town.com, click today's pod, click this episode, which is episode 33 on the download. Yes. And it'll be there under news. So you can see it for yourself. But it's a neat little graph. It's cool to see like sales visualized like that where they're actually animated and you can do a time comparison and whatnot. Anyway, that's one of two new 3DS physical games that were announced. The other is actually, I don't know what's going on with first person dungeon crawling RPGs from Japan. But in addition to Unchained Blades, the other game that was announced is actually, it's coming from Atlas. And it's a new, it's a remake of a entry in the Devil Summoner series. It was not this, to be confused with Double Survivor Overclock, which was a remix, a remake of Double Survivor for the DS. Yes, Double Survivor is what I'm thinking of. I think Double Survivor. I think Devil Summoner is the Japanese name of Devil Survivor. So it's, a it's part of the Shin. It's part of the uh, Shin Megami Tensei franchise. Persona. You know Persona? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's. Yeah. 
it's the same overarching franchise as Persona. I, They're both I, spin-offs of the same franchise. I, know, I kind of started getting into it just because it wasn't as dungeon crawly, but it right. kind of is. Yeah, well, what this one but, is. Um, this one's actually a remake. It's called uh, Devil Summoner. Soul Hackers. Soul Hackers. And it'll be in the U.S. in the spring. And it's a remake of a game that was originally released on the Sega Saturn here in the States and in Japan. Then it was ported to... This was in 1997. Then 1999, it was ported to PlayStation, but only in Japan because Sony didn't want to, for whatever reason, certify it for the U.S. Now they're doing it. Now they're taking a third stab at it with this 3DS version, which... Oh, uh, PSN now. It's weird. I just noticed... Yeah, sorry to interrupt you again, but no, I it's okay. that, that PSN has this weird section where it's called, like, Japanese import games, and it's just a bunch of downloadable games, but they're, but they're all, in like, Japanese. They're on Japanese. Hey, it's not that weird. Nintendo... The original Sin and Punishment's on Wii's Virtual Console oh, in Japanese. Right. Nintendo's yeah, done it a few times. Cool. Yeah. yeah. But... And they charge an extra buck because it took all that effort for them to translate it to nothing instead <laughs> to charge an extra dollar. But, uh... Yeah, so the games... It's very sci-fi heavy... It's, uh, you know, it's true to the series in the sense that you're, it's not just dungeon crawling, you also get to, like, negotiate with these devilish creatures and try and, you know, they can either, you can fight them or you can have them team up with you. So, anyone that's a fan of that, um, you know, of the series will enjoy this, and they're sprucing it up compared to the original version. They're gonna have new cutscenes, they're gonna have a new intro, touchscreen controls actually will let you change the difficulty on the fly and fill in maps on the fly. <laughs> like, nope, too intense. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know exactly how it's gonna work, but that's what they claim. I, I, but I guess the point I, I, is... I just picture it might be like Minecraft where like, you're about to die so you just set the difficulty to peaceful so the enemies disappear, get all your health back. <laughs> Maybe. Back to Actually, that, that, I wouldn't be surprised considering Minecraft's popularity. That could be a selling point right there. But, um... Yeah, between this and Unchained Blade, if you're a fan of the very niche first-person dungeon crawler Japan, Japanese RPG genre, here you go. You got two games within a few months of each other. So soak it in because this doesn't happen normally. <laughs> But um, that really, um, those are the two new announcements. But if we look even further into the future, beyond, so we, if you notice, we're, we're climbing further and further away from our current time. We started with next month, then we went to March and spring. Uh, because we, now, always, we always want to have to look forward to things so far ahead. Just we like, like to be able to look like forward to things. The Wii U was a painful one See, year away. We now like, we exactly, we like looking forward to things so far away, because if we didn't, we'd have nothing to talk about sometimes. And that'd be a sad podcast. Yes. But yeah, going way into the future, into unknown territory, as in we don't know when, uh, Miyamoto was inter- was actually recently interviewed by uh, Games Master Magazine. Miyamoto, of course, being Shigeru Miyamoto, creator of Mario, Zelda, Donkey Kong, Star Fox, etc., etc., etc. And he was telling them that it's very likely that thanks to the Wii U's uh, two-screen setup, that he will be revisiting some of the ideas of the GameCube Game Boy Advance connectivity days. If you recall, oh, that meant... Like Final Fantasy... Final Fantasy Crystal, Crystal Chronicles. Crystal Bearers? Final Crystal? Fantasy Crystal Chronicles, the Crystal Bearers. Oh. Uh, Four Swords Adventures, the Zelda game. Uh, Pac-Man Versus. All those games where you had the TV and then each of you had to plug in a Game Boy. And each of you had a Game Boy with a screen. So to do four gamepads? I don't know if he'll exactly do that. Well, I love your face. You actually, you don't, you don't all need Game Boys. Screens. You don't all need Game Boys. I take that back. Four Swords worked with only one Game Boy attached, I believe. Pac-Man only could oh, use well, one Game Boy. Oh, well, the GameCube one did. The, yeah, I'm talking about the, the GameCube one. For, the I'm one. talking about GameCube. Game, Four Swords Adventures. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's just true, just because, I mean, the sub-screen just appeared on the top screen, but it was still kind of better to yeah. have it appear on your Game Boy Advance screen so it doesn't clutter. Yeah, but the top, see, the but... problem with connectivity and then is, you know, and this is something I think everyone realizes, you can't have a system and, then a, and a game and then expect people to go buy four more systems. Like, you can't be like, here's a GameCube game, now you need to buy four handhelds for it. 
Which is what the Wii U kind of avoids because it comes with the but controller with the screen. But it still kind of did that with the with the motion with, 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 the, game, with, Wii with the, the Wii modes. Yeah, but that's a little which different. Those are forty dollars controllers. We're talking yeah, which at is the time one hundred thirty, hundred fifty dollars Game Boys. Yeah, but but I mean, still like or no, who am I kidding? They were hundred dollars, hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I guess it was more of a social gathering, friend friends bring their stuff kind of thing. Yeah, but even then, it's like not everyone's gonna go. Oh, I, let's play Four Swords. Let me go buy a Game Boy Advance SP yeah. for a hundred dollars, like. So yeah. this, and, I mean, I, and Nintendo realized that. That's why it never took off. But yeah. this is getting them a chance to turn it around. Uh, I mean, I feel like they still could have, anything could have won Wiimote. It would have driven the cost up. They're, cost no, up. They're already selling it at a loss. Yeah, because I mean, at first, I mean, I already had four Wiimotes without Motion Plus, and we paid Nintendo Land. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, okay, I guess I don't need to buy them, yeah. but I want to pay some anyway. But then I wanted to play Metroid and Zelda with everybody. And, and you had to go buy Motion Plus. Well, Nintendo's yeah. logic, which is actually pretty sound. And I got my Cotton Candy Wiimote, so they're cool. That's true. You have like a full rainbow there. Yep. But Nintendo's logic is there are something like 80 million, I think they said 80 million, Wiimotes around the country right now. Now I have two obsolete ones. Right, so you have <laughs> Wiimotes, you just don't have... the point. Their logic was there's so many Wii remotes on the market that they really don't need to pack one into the Wii U. I think that logic's flawed, but I understand why they did it for cut, cost-cutting reasons. Yeah, same thing with but, the charger, right, in Europe? Yeah. In Japan? Yeah, where they didn't include a charger with the 3DS XL, yeah. Um, so weird. Just like the idea of like sending us I mean, they're cutting costs as much as they can. I know. Yeah, that's super bizarre. Worse than the Wiimote thing. I think that's just dumb. I can understand the Wiimotes. That is yeah, beyond Because, I mean, you don't need it for all the games. Yeah, that's either, just, so. yeah. you don't need a Wiimote, but you do need power. If yeah. you're playing with handheld, <laughs> you do need power. So that's insane of Nintendo. But um, really quick, back to Mimo's comment. I just thought it was actually interesting that it really just shows. We've talked about this over the podcast history. Nintendo does not give up on any idea. Ever. Okay. Connectivity didn't work because you had to buy a controller that, you know, you had to buy a Game Boy user controller. Fine. We'll just make the controller a Game Boy. Done. Wii U. Like, they never get... Virtual Boy, you had to stick your eyes into a random black, like, weird glasses thing. You got headaches from it. Fine. We'll just put Stereostopix 3D into a screen when the text's there. Done. Like, they just don't give up. They just keep reiterating and twisting ideas until they work. So I wonder how we're going to see the Vitality Sense in the future. Well, it never even came out. Yeah, that's true. Good point, actually, yeah. Or, like, here's another one. So, you want to play a Game Boy Advance game where you tilt your game, like Kirby, but we don't want to have to put a chip in every single game? We'll just put a chip in the controller. Done. Wii. Like, they just keep reusing the same ideas. It's interesting. Like, I wonder, yeah, I wonder what that means for the Vitality Sensor or, like, the balance. Well, the balance board is successful, but I wonder what, you know, what that means for the future. A lot. Yeah. Nintendo is a pretty um, Here's another one. ballsy company. Here's another one. Secrets. Here's another one. Sometimes. PictoChat. Doesn't work online? Fine. We'll do messaging. Through pictures. With SwapNote. Oh, you're limited in who you can talk to? Fine. We'll do Miiverse. You can talk to anyone you want. Happy. Done. They just keep building and reiterating yeah, and Miiverse is fleshing, SwapNote fleshing out. Realized. Yeah, so they... So I'm hoping... Just censored, but fully realized. Yeah. So I'm hoping... Yeah, very censored. Sometimes. That's good. I don't want to see like... No, I agree. Yeah, I agree. But uh, what what this means, hopefully, is if Miyamoto is revisiting GameCube Game Boy Advance connectivity ideas, we're going to get some very cool stuff. I would be down for new Four Swords Adventures. That would be fun. Especially if you had online. Because the graphics, you know, What's they can finish that. the one we have now? What? We Fine. Can't. We'll finish it. The Anniversary Edition? Yeah. Yeah, I wonder how sa- I wonder how downloads of the free Four Swords Anniversary for DSiWare were. Because, like, if they... Bad, it was free. But it was really yeah, but I wonder. I wonder. I wonder, like, if it because they then charged for it after a certain period. I think 
Or no, they ranked no, it. I they ranked yeah, it. I don't even yeah. think it's on the eShop anymore. Yeah, but I wonder like how that did. I want because I would be. I don't know if they necessarily re- release a full Four Swords event. Wow. I don't know if they release a full Four Swords Adventures as a retail game, but this kind of fits into what we're saying about the you know like Tokyo Crash Models and Unchained Blades and all that. They can very easily do it as a download game. Yeah, this seems more like a, a Wii U eShop game for fifteen bucks. I'd buy it or twenty bucks even. I'd buy it. Thirty even. Four Swords is awesome. Like. If they did something like that, I'd, I'd be on board with that. I guess I would too. So hopefully that's what Miyamoto's alluding to. Or hopefully he has some even, or more hopefully, he has some sort of crazy idea he never got to fully flush out because connectivity fell on his face and now he can't. I'm sure there's tons. Oh, I'm sure there is. There has to be. Yeah. So they got all the patents. And yeah, that basically. Exactly. But So that's a look at the future. Now really quick, let's bring it back to the present and then we'll talk about what we're playing because there's... Uh, Two pieces of news from the present that are probably worth mentioning. One is a new Nintendo magazine, and the other is Nintendo TV. So first, the new Nintendo magazine. Um, Nintendo Power died. I don't know if you heard. Nintendo Power doesn't exist anymore. Did you hear about this? It's kind of all over the news. Huh, so that's... And I mean, we talked about it repeatedly on multiple episodes. So that's episodes. the last issue was all about... All about it. Yeah, yeah, I know. And that's why, like, that's why it was suddenly on, like, major sites like Mashable and whatnot. Yeah. And that's why there's an article currently on RamNintendo.com called Go- Goodbye Nintendo Power, which is my retrospective of my time as a subscriber to Nintendo Power. That wasn't just there because I stopped subscribing. The magazine ceased to exist. That was the real cause. And getting every single issue since you first started. That's yeah. awesome. Not missing a single one. Except one. Oh, gasp. But I've explained this before on the show. No, no, I'm no. missing an issue that never arrived at my house. And I didn't know it wasn't there because I was at college. And when I came back, it was too late to buy on back order or in stores. And I quietly wept for a month straight. In school, out of school, asleep, awake, nonstop weeping. But to those that are sad, some people believe they have the solution. Yes. uh, There's a new fan-made magazine coming out called Nintendo Force. Nintendo Power. They will force force Nintendo info down this throat. Whether you like it or not. Because if you wanted it it wouldn't really be forced away anyway uh yeah so it's gonna be the spiritual successor to nintendo power it'll be available both in print and online presumably not on newsstands it'll be mailed out to subscribers directly because it's a fanzine basically but um they're going they're even going as far they're claiming they're the spiritual successor to nintendo power and they're even going as far as having envelope artwork on its lighter section like nintendo power used to do like the border will be envelope art and uh it actually, it actually has a pretty good variety of people behind it. Yeah, it's not like the, random. No, it's not randoms at all. It's like legit people from a variety of Nintendo coverage experts. There are multiple Nintendo World Report staffers. Go Nintendo's Rami Cowboy is one of the uh, contributors. Jonathan Holmes of Destructoids on there. Lucas and Thomas of IGN. One of the people that made the extremely awesome and well done Mother 3 handbook uh, from the Starman.net team, the Earthbound yeah. fan site. They ha- they're there. A guy that does, that does uh, Brawl in the Family, he's there. The person who had, one woman, right? Yeah, I believe the person who did the claymation cover of the or the claymated cover of the final Nintendo Power. I'm blanking on her name, but she's gonna be doing. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah. She's gonna be doing it too. So it's cool that they have all these great, truly passionate people about Nintendo doing it. But the one issue is they don't. Huh? Issue magazine. The one problem is that they don't have any of the Nintendo Power staff at all. It can't be a spiritual successor if you don't have the Nintendo Power staff or at least their blessing, right? 
Yeah, I mean, like you're just stealing. I mean, like Zombie used a spiritual successor to an old zombie. But that's old... different because Ubisoft made both. No, and they no, no, claimed... that's, no, that's right. Like that. it oh, is, yeah. and they claimed it was. If Nintendo Power said our spiritual successor is or Nintendo Or Red Dead Force. Redemption is a spiritual successor to Red Dead Revolver because yeah. it's the same people. But... Well, it is more of a direct sequel with a different well, yeah, name. Yeah, yeah. Spiritual successor would be more like uh, what you said with Zombie. You, yeah. Sure but here's the th- yeah. But here's the thing. Nintendo Power's staff doesn't have any ties to it. They didn't give the, like, they weren't like, oh, yes, please do this for us. They did contact one editor in Nintendo Power, Chris Hoffman, if you'd like to contribute. He couldn't because he still works at Future Publishing, the guys that did Nintendo Power, so he's legally bound not to. But there's some other editors, including the editor-in-chief of Nintendo Power, who apparently weren't even asked if they wanted to partake or participate and not work at Future anymore. So there's actually a, a thread about this at NeoGAF, that same game form. I linked to it in the news section of this episode just if you want to read the Nintendo Power people's own comments on it because they post there, two of them. Uh, Phil and Steven, if that's meaningful to any Nintendo Power readers. Um, yeah, they're actually kind of upset that the magazines... They, they're arguing, and to some extent they're kind of right, that the magazine's just riding on the coattails of Nintendo Power. All these Nintendo fans are like, yes, let's fill the void in Nintendo Power with our magazine. We're going to do it, and we're going to call ourselves a successor to Nintendo Power. Feel free to make a magazine, but I don't know if you should call yourself the successor to Nintendo Power yeah, and have your entire pitch and website look like Nintendo Power website and, you know, vibe of Nintendo Power. I mean, and the logo's a knockoff of Nintendo Power. I mean, although, Continue. like, the intentions are good, I mean, everyone's already kind of doing that by just running their own website. They're all providing information. Yeah, Nintendo. technically we can say we're a spiritual successor. Yeah, everybody, like, is just doing their part. No, I just want to be, be clear, though. There is definitely a, a, a void of a Nintendo magazine, and Nintendo Force could fill it, and I'm sure if they find their own identity and stop going, we're the new Nintendo power, it will be great, and I mean, the contributors are all really good, and I'm hoping it does well, just because it's nice to have that, but you can't ride on the coattails of Nintendo power forever. You can't just be like, oh, we're the new Nintendo power, please, and I know it's a marketing move now, but still, their logo, I know I just said this, but their logo is a complete total rip-off of Nintendo power. Not even subtle. Well, I mean, that's the point, but... Well, yeah, but they shouldn't do that, because it's like... It's establishing their own identity. I think, I think it'd be... Yeah, that's the thing. It would have been cooler if they would have done their own thing instead of... Yeah, I mean, they can have a sentence at the end that's just like... Uh, you know, just kind of like, like we miss Nintendo Power. Nintendo. Or yeah, we miss Nintendo Power as much as you, so we're hoping this helps make up for its loss. Or not even that. We hope we're hoping it. We're hoping this gives you your magazine, your print fix of Nintendo news. That would be fine, but they keep their little manifesto they publish. It's like Nintendo Power's gone, but it's not because we're here now. We're the new Nintendo Power. We we are Nintendo Power. Nintendo Power this, Nintendo Power that. So if they just found their own identity, I'm sure it'll do great. Except issue number two with them. Part of the reason Nintendo Power was losing momentum is it wasn't getting exclusives. It had eShop. If you read my article on roundtown.com right now, goodbye Wait, Nintendo so Power. Everything kind of be regurgitated information it's from... Good, like, yeah, that's what, I was getting, that's what I was getting at. It had... Old? Yeah, Nintendo Power didn't have a whole lot. They had eShop news. That was their big hook for a while. They had it's eShop the news is, and smaller games. Review place? I don't know. Hmm? I guess a new place to get reviews. I'm assuming that's... N- Nintendo only- Force? Yeah. yeah, but what you're saying about regurgitate, so what is a magazine, unless they use whatever press context they have to get exclusives, it's essentially going to be a regurgitation <laughs> of their website. Or it's either like, oh, okay, do we want to post this like exclusive here on Nintendo Force or on our own website? Exactly. It's... Yeah, it's just like, I don't know. I, I hope they do well. I just hope they get off Nintendo Power's coattails, and I hope they get the exclusives they need to succeed. But realistically, I don't There's see There's going to be some issues down the line. But realistically, I don't see this lasting more than a year. Yeah. Especially because all the staff is doing it, from my understanding, is doing it voluntarily while also running their own site still. 
So. Yeah, and these are pretty big people too, so it's not yeah. like they don't have other responsibilities. Exactly, made, so. exactly. I mean, like half the Nintendo World Report is going to be in the magazine, so it's like, what's the point of Nintendo World Report or the magazine if they're such an overlap? Don't get it wrong, Nintendo World Report's a great site, but I'm just saying, like, I think I'll probably die pretty fast. I hope not, for their sake, because it is a cool idea. They just need to, you know, find their own identity. So that's Nintendo Force. The, so something Nintendo did make. Um, <laughs> yeah, something, nice transition. Something Nintendo did actually make and did, you know, not riding on the coattails of anything else, is Nintendo TV. They're TV. wearing the coat. They're wearing the coat. They're not on the coattails. They are the coat. They are the whole outfit. They have the coat, the pants, the top hat, the monocle. I don't know why they're in the 1800s. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're, yeah. So Nintendo TV has arrived. It came out uh, right before Christmas on the 20th, I think. And um, currently it integrates with Hulu Amazon, your over-the-air television. That's about it. They'll have Netflix. Set-top box, I guess. That's yeah, well, over, yeah, over-the-air set-top box. Mm-hmm. Live TV, let's say that. Uh, in January, they'll integrate with TiVo DVRs, and sometime around Q1, so sometime in January and March, presumably, they'll have Netflix. And sometime in the future, they'll have uh, DVR support, hopefully, for other DVRs, but they're not promising anything. So really, if you don't have a TiVo, you're not going to use the DVR feature anytime soon. Um, all that information actually came out of a special Reggie Asks. You know how Iwata has the Iwata Asks segment where he talks to game developers about behind the scenes of the games? Yeah. Yeah, so Reggie did his first one. It was his first time. He did Reggie Asks. And, uh, they did Reggie opposed to Iwata because, uh, Iwata's thing is he was a game developer. He used to work at HAL Laboratories. Fun fact about HAL Laboratories, developers of Kirby. You know why they're called HAL? They want to be one better than IGN. Or IBM. They want to be one better than IBM. So H-I-A-B-L-M. Yeah. How? IBM. Uh, But yeah, so he was a developer, so he can really talk game development with developers. But he can't obviously be like, so tell me about your latest television initiative, because I know all about how television programming goes. But Reggie was the dude that reinvented VH1 in the late 90s. Or not 90s, in the... 2000s, sometime in the 2000s, mid 2000s, mid O's. So he and knows. Stuff. Well, Pizza Hut, Pizza Hut, <laughs> Pizza Hut. Stuff. Yeah, but he he knows television. He worked for the MTV Networks Group, which is you know MTV, VH1, CMT, Comedy Central, and a whole bunch of others. So he knows his stuff. So that's why he did. And also, Nintendo TV, in the form that we see it here in the states, is exclusive to the states. It's totally different in Japan. It's like a fancy TV guide in Japan. And it's totally gotta be different in, in Europe. Japan has a lot of cool random stuff. Yeah. The pizza delivery app? Yeah, I know, right? But, well, Nintendo's huge in Japan, right? The second biggest country company in the country, so of course they'll have more. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so that's why Reggie hosted it. You know, he did I don't know. The thing with Iwata asks is it has a very endearing, like, oh, they're chatting and they all laugh every other sentence with parentheses, laughs. And, you know, it's like, yeah, he seems very warm and friendly and just, it, it doesn't seem like it's a PR move. It seems like they're just talking. With Reggie's, it's felt like such a PR thing. Especially because he's like, so how do you... How does the dual-screen setup of the unique uh, Wii U and its innovative gamepad controller allow for you to better maximize TV viewing? Why Water would be like, so how'd you use that screen on the controller? Like, you know, like, Reggie is more of a mouthpiece-sounding guy. Yeah. So that was kind of weird. And also, he had this weird habit of saying, that's great for everything. So, so uh, Jose, tell me, about, uh, tell me about the process you went through to make Nintendo TV. 
And you said, um, you know, I, I, I connected stuff and it just happened. That's great. Now, now, Bob, why don't you tell me blah, blah, blah. What's your, what's your favorite thing to do on Nintendo TV? Oh, I love watching sports. That's great. Now, Jose, blah, 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 blah. That's great. Like, that's literally all he said. Every single thing. That's great. That's great. That's great. It's just really funny. It's not as good as the Iwata laughs at everything. Should have thrown that's awesome in there. No, but every single time, almost every single time, he would say that's great. Even if it's something like, the best one was, what's it like to work with Nintendo? And he's like, that's great when they say it. They're not going to be like, oh, you guys suck. <laughs> that's a dumb question. Anyway, point being, is it's still an interesting read. Uh, but obviously the bigger deal is Nintendo TV itself. So we've been using it, right, for the last couple weeks. Mm-hmm. and Or last week, I guess. And um, it's interesting. It's not... It works, and it's basically a glorified channel guide, but it has the advantage of plugging into your streaming services. So it's not a thing you would use in my mind. How it works is when you set it up, you pick, whoops, you pick, uh, you know, you pick your upcoming, you pick your favorite shows, and then it'll have a queue. When you first boot up Nintendo TV, it'll be like, here's these shows of yours that you like, and here's when they'll be on next. It'll show, you know, it'll be like, in 20 minutes on Fox, you can see an episode of The Simpsons, and then again in six hours. Or here's an episode of Conan coming Wait, up. I wonder when the new episode's coming up. Right, or if you go to the show's page, it'll show you when the next new episode is, and that sort of thing. And it has IMDb integration, and it lists, like, general show info. So all that's kind of neat. But, um, it's definitely not... If you're saying, oh, it's time to watch, in my case, I gotta go watch Conan O'Brien now, it's 11 o'clock, I'm not gonna first turn on Nintendo TV, and then wait for it to... Turn on the Wii U, wait for it to load, wait for Nintendo TV to load, turn on Nintendo TV... Hit the button on Nintendo TV that then tells me to switch your input on your TV back to your TV and away from the game console because it can't change your input for you. It can change channels when you're on the right input, and it can, you know, it has a built-in remote with actually favorite channel buttons. So you, if you like Fox or NBC, you can have those be buttons. But anytime you want to do anything that involves switching to live TV, it asks you, are you re- have you changed your input? Even if you're already on the TV input and you then switch to a different thing, it'll say, have you changed the input? Like, you always have to tell it yes, or, you know, it'll let you change it right there. Yeah, but. so, I don't know, I could see people using it more, like, while they're, like, yeah, only while you're playing a game or something, since it doesn't either while you're, actual game. Either while you're playing you a game, or when you want to just, like, yeah, that's what I'm saying, like, it's not going to be, if you're like, oh, I need to catch Cohen. Yeah, because if you already know when you do all that, on, yeah. you just go to it. Exactly. So, it's only good for, if you're, yeah, if you're playing a game, or if you're just like, oh, I'm in the mood to watch Parks and Rec, and you just type Parks and Rec, and it tells you, here's... All these episodes on Amazon. Here's all these... You know, it's coming up on NBC next week. The new one. You know, it'll list all that, and that's when it's useful. When you're just in the mood to watch whatever yeah. it is, and you just search it. Or a movie. Or in my case, like, the way I've been using it is, um... Like, I've been watching the new Ninja Turtle show from Nickelodeon. Right. And something when I'm just playing a game and my computer's off, I just want to check when the new one's available on Hulu Plus, because it's yeah. available, like, I don't know, 21 days after or something. Yeah, it's, something It's kind of like random. That. So every once in a while, I'll just check and just go back. All right, it's not there. Go back to playing. Yeah. And pretty convenient. Yeah, that see, that's where it's useful, kind of. But the other thing it's useful for... Well, first, one more nitpick of when it's not useful. When you put... When you tell it, okay, I want to watch it on Amazon or Hulu. I mean, obviously, this is what happens, but you don't really think about it till you're actually using it. And you're like, oh, duh. It closes Nintendo TV and then opens the necessary app. Ideally, and the way Nintendo kind of was making it sound, it sounded like it was just going to play within Nintendo TV somehow. But you actually have to, you know, if I'm like, I'm going to watch Parks and Rec. Click Parks and Rec episode, you know, whatever. 
It'll go, okay, I'm clo- we're closing Nintendo TV, and now we're booting up Amazon. And it'll take you to the right page on Amazon, but you have to wait like 30, 45 seconds for that whole closing and reopening to happen. Wait, so while you're watching Parks and Rec on Amazon or whatever, and you go back to Nintendo TV, will it know you're watching Parks and Rec? Or? It'll know the last... Here, here's what's interesting. If you go back to Nintendo TV after you watch something, and I actually didn't do this with Parks and Rec. I did this with live TV. But if you go back, if you hit Nintendo TV, it will have a new... It'll show... It'll keep you on the page you were on. Like, it'll be like, oh whatever csi miami and then if you go to your favorite if you go to your, like favorites or whatever there's a viewing history like just watched and it'll show that you just watched csi miami because you just switched it to that um, but does actually for example if i watch 10 seconds of csi miami which i did when testing this it won't go oh well he didn't really watch it he was on it for a second and no not to bother it'll still say well you watched an episode of csi miami we're gonna custom your interest you know tailor make your interest to fit that now so, as soon as you hit play me that, it thinks you've watched the whole thing and you'll adjust accordingly. Which isn't a problem. In fact, that, you know, how many people are going to be like, nah, I'm going I'm gonna to stop watching after 10 seconds. Yeah, but, especially if you're using Nintendo TV, that means you're going to invest in whatever show you're going to watch, not necessarily just pretty much. flip around. Pretty much. But it is a very nice way. The live grid, when you go under TV, if you go live, it'll show you what's playing on all different channels, and that's super handy because it's these big, nice visual elements. It's not like TV channel guide where, you know, it's just that grid. It's a very nice, like, here's Family Guy, here's this, here's that. And it does it somewhat. It orders them in the order based on uh, your favorites and whatnot. So that's kind of neat. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the other time it's really useful, which I haven't had a chance to experience directly, but I've seen people do with, like, you know, um, live streams of it and stuff. But TV tagging. For uh, the top 100 shows, we'll have this, as do many sports events already. Basically, this is the timeline thing they showed off. So when you're watching a popular thing, it'll update in close to real time. With uh, if it's a sport with player stats or things that just happened, if it's a TV, if it's a TV show with really funny moments or really dramatic moments or really you know plot twists or whatever, and you can comment on them. And when you're watching the show, these all come in in like a timeline. It looks kind of like Facebook's timeline page, and they all come in, and you can comment and whatnot. And when you comment, it goes to Meverse, and it's tagged with the show, kind of like how Mario or Nintendo Land is tagged with the level or the mini game in the posts, and it could just be posts from that mini game or whatever. With Nintendo TV, it's the show, so you can, it's like a community within a community. So if you're watching Community, because I want to make this confusing, so if you're watching Community and you comment on Community, your post will appear in the Meverse community of Community, which is really a <laughs> TV tag in the Nintendo TV community. Makes sense. Yeah, just like a Nintendo Land, like if you yeah, exactly, like I said, if yeah. you make a comment from a specific game, it'll leave a bookmark yeah. that will take you to yeah all comments. I from literally that just game. said that, but yes, yeah, yeah, that's what, yeah. yeah. Same thing. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So that's kind of neat, actually. And uh, what I was reading is some people thought that the, at least for the sports stuff, it was a little delayed with the plays. It's about play behind, but I'm sure they'll iron that out. It's still a brand new service. There are definitely some kinks when I tried to add Community as a favorite show. It wasn't there. It was there, sort of. It's a bunch of shows with Community in their name, yeah, and none of them had pictures. Weird. Yeah, like same thing with um, Ninja Turtles when I was first adding it. There were yeah. a bunch of... Um, like boxes that had Ninja Turtles as a name and some of them had to like multiple pictures of it so I'm yep. gonna wait which one is or it or like if you do Saturday Night Live it says Saturday Night Live but the image is all cut off of the logo and when you click it there's no show information whatsoever yeah. so they're still working out some kinks for sure but it's an interesting concept oh and with good TV, potential yeah, yeah and with TV tag it's kind of neat actually because you can also post to your social media Facebook, Twitter but when you do it it puts a stupid it doesn't just say uh, like ideally how it would work on Twitter is if you comment it would be like your comment, and then hashtag Nintendo TV, right? Instead, it says, I just commented on a TV moment, colon, quote, blah, 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 end quote, hashtag Nintendo TV. So really, you can't fit much of a thing into, and 
if I understand it correctly, if you have Twitter and Facebook activated on your Nintendo TV profile, whenever you comment, you'll just send them out. You don't pick each time, I don't think. I might be wrong. I haven't tried it, I so have I could a be wrong. So I'm waiting for an actual opportunity to use it. So. Right. Yeah, I haven't tried that, but still, it's just kind of funny that like half your tweets taken up with all this like marketing stuff and not your actual comment when you tweet it. Hmm. But and the same with Facebook, it'll say all that. Like I just commented on a TV moment, even though it says in the like status info via Nintendo TV, so it's already there. But they felt the need to like triple reinforce it. Yeah. But that's Nintendo TV. It's an interesting experiment. It has a little ways to go. I could see it being more useful if I had more streaming services, personally, or if it worked with my DVR. But right now, it's just a fancy kind of Nintendo-fied channel guide. Yeah, once um, Netflix is on there and, well, I get an actual antenna, I'll probably oh, yeah, be doing it more. Yeah. But no, it's, it's, it's a neat idea, and it's definitely something no one really aggregates quite like this and has all the like TV sharing moments and whatnot. So it's an interesting idea that just, I think... It's just a little rough around the edges. That's why I tweeted when I first played with it, and I still feel that way. It's rough around the edges, but the potential's there. Yep. And while we're on the topic of impressions, let's talk about what we're playing, shall we? Ooh, what we're playing. You, sir, have been playing Trine, if I remember correctly. Yeah, Trine I, 2 Director's Cut, to yeah, specify. Yeah, I, I gave it a good Trine. You know, speaking of that pun, our episode was originally, before I, before we came up with the genius on the download, get on the download, on the download. Duh. Anyway, before we came up with that... It was going to be trying, trying. So you just had to squeeze that in somewhere, didn't you? Yep. Well, so, trying two director's cut. Well, this game, I bought it when it was still 20 bucks. It is now <laughs> 16 bucks. Oh, real quick. Two weeks apart, so I don't really quite regret it. It's still... Real quick comment, price. speaking of that. Probably uh, the only game that's actually worth its original price. Just, just let that sink in. Yeah, well, that sinks <laughs> in. We mentioned last episode that when we talk about this episode, it'll have its patch. It'll have its DLC with pro controller support, voice chat, and some other stuff. Yeah, that got a little delayed, but it doesn't change the gameplay in any way, so we're going to go forward with the impressions as planned. But I just want to explain that we promised it'd be based on one thing, and it's not, because that's not out yet, because it got delayed due to the holidays. So, with that said... So luckily for me, it'd be easy to explain, because it's actually... The mechanics of it work a lot like the cave. You have three... Which, for all you that are not paying attention at home, we talked about about an hour ago. Continue. Well, anyway, it's a a physics-based platformer you control one of three characters and you switch between them on the fly with either a button press or I think you can change it with the touch screen. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, you play as Amadeus the Wizard who he can create like boxes kind of like in um, WarioWare Master of Disguise. You just draw a box and depending on the box size they'll create a box. You're and Wario you can... Master of Disguise. Not WarioWare. Yes. Wario <laughs> Master of Disguise. <laughs> Sorry. I, just, I was like WarioWare Master of Disguise. What's that? Yeah. You were saying, I totally killed your oh, yeah. flow there, sorry. And you can levitate stuff, you can move stuff around so other people could jump on those platforms. So, I don't know, he's pretty cool. And then, uh, <laughs> he's a chill guy. Yeah. He has, he has a family. We're bros. <laughs> yeah. I'm always like, sup, bro, when I see him. And he's like, sup, let's go crush a natty or something. Yeah, that's how you guys hang out. <laughs> and then there's Pontius the Knight, who, uh, he's definitely just all melee character. He's the only one that could really, like, just mob down... Uh, yeah, just destroy mobs of goblins and all this. Mow down enemies. Yeah, mow down enemies, where you w- which you will need to do lots of times, and you do die pretty fast, so you mm-hmm. do kind of need to keep him alive. No, no, he's pretty fun to use for that. He just has his melee, he can use a sword, and he can use a shield, which he could direct in any direction to block attacks or to reflect things. And you could also use himself as a platform. You could just position the shield on top of him, have someone jump on top of Pontius, have him jump, and then have the other person jump higher, and reach higher platforms and whatnot. And then the last character is, um, I forgot her name. She's a thief of some sort, but she says she's an entrepreneur. 
They want their jokes. Huh. Rich. But um, all she does um, she has she could reach higher platforms on her own. Like she could jump, and if she's near an edge, you can press the jump button again, and she'll kind of jump a little bit higher. And she also shoots an arrow, which you could charge. And she also has a grappling hook, which lets it traverse really far places that other people can't. And also reach really high areas too. So she's kind of fun, but uh, really slow on attacking. So, so looking at it, at it broader, it's what are you do? What is the goal? <laughs> what are you doing? It, you basically reach point A to point B while so it's just while, 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 while solving like physics-based puzzles and okay. and fighting okay. stuff. So like, and it's all very medieval themed. I mean, based on the yeah, characters, yeah. it's like Hobbit e. Like yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely more Hobbity, yeah. And so not medieval. So I've been though. playing it with my brother, just like doing the co-op thing, because it definitely works out way better that way. Like he'll play as the wizard, and I'll be the the archress or whatever. Lady and, with the bow. Yeah, <laughs> the thief. And um, I don't. Know, it's really fun because like you have a puzzle where you'll have a dried up plant, and there's like water falling down. Hold on. Sorry. Or finish that thought, and I'll share my thought. Oh, alright. So, <laughs> right. so, so there's a like puzzle where you have to like redirect water so it could like fill up this plant to create a platform or where you have to like make a makeshift bridge out of debris or other okay, stuff. Okay, that sounds good. What I was going to say was you can't go... It's a lot of fun. You had a dried up leaf and you can't have fun and dried up leaf be next to each other in a sentence. That doesn't work. You can't. I, I know, I'm just giving you a hard time but that's just really funny. It's really fun. They have these leaves and they're all dried up and you have to like undry them make them wet <laughs> like, i know what you meant but it's just game really, of the year material right the, there the what no yeah it's game of the year material oh yeah dude they should make a game where all you do is moisten yeah leaves. you also do a lot of walking and sliding and okay well anyway <laughs> yeah so just think um i don't know just a lot of yeah just so what's, physics on, the, puzzles. what's on the gamepad the gamepad is exactly what's on the screen so okay. whoever's playing on the gamepad could either look at the screen or the tv, or the TV. so it's like mario yeah and, I don't know, usually the controls work fine for any character, but I feel like they work best on the gamepad with the wizard, because when you're not playing with the gamepad, you have to use the, the pointer to draw everything. You kind of use the pointer a lot, you use the pointer to aim, there's like a little cursor, so mm-hmm. you can tell it's from a computer game, because you're using the yeah. mouse. But, when you're the wizard on the, with the Wiimote, I don't know, it's not as fast or reactive. It's easier with the gamepad. Yeah, just draw a quick square and you're good. Or right. you could also manipulate everything with the gamepad too. So. Right, right. So, yeah, I would definitely play with the gamepad if you're going to play as the wizard. And it's definitely on the hard side. You take damage pretty steeply. At least yeah. it looks really pretty. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've watched the trailers a few times. Yeah, gra- graphic like it's... It's like one it's of the ar- best looking Arguably, games I've ever Arguably, it's quite possibly in. the best looking Wii U game. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it looks I good. In fact, Digital Foundry, the guys who do all those multi-platform port comparisons, I've been saying, like, oh, the frame rate is bad in this Wii U game compared to its 360 PS3 brethren. They're saying that Trying 2 is the exception in that it looks better than its PS3 and 360 counterparts. Yeah, I mean, that was part of the director's cut yeah. Director's cut part. They did some graphical improvements. And they had some new gameplay stuff, right? Or they at least made well, some yeah, stuff the, that's there's unlockable. There's some added DLC stuff. And, right, it's and built stuff in as part of the main campaign now. I mean, another, I guess, important part of the game is um, the more enemies you defeat and all that stuff, you level up. And when you level up, you there's like a, a tree branch level up kind of system where you could buy different upgrades for your character. Mm-hmm. Like in the beginning, the wizard could only create one box later he could create two three or four right right so you could make your own like step ladder or stuff like that or maybe eventually you could manipulate your your friendly like your partners or the knight will be able to throw his 
Mega Hammer, because he also has a hammer. Mm-hmm. Or the girl with the bow, she could shoot ice arrows. <laughs> yeah. But, so no, it's, it's pretty deep and it's fun. And the graphics is really cool, really pretty. 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 Yeah, lots of collectible <laughs> too. Yeah. Actually, the, what makes it more puzzling, puzzly, yes, whatever. Or puzzling, that works. Oh. What's puzzling about the puzzles is, um, aside from just going from left to right and solving the puzzles that you have to solve just to get across a chasm yeah, or yeah. whatever, there are um, usually strategically placed like marbles or bottles like all over the place, mm-hmm. and those are usually a lot harder to get. You usually have to like manipulate something in a specific way or just like yeah, just. So they're like the star coins you're trying to yeah. give it another Mario yeah. comparison. Except they're like they're like fifty per level, so. Right. It makes you want to like explore every single nook and cranny of the game, and they're right. So it's yeah. it's kind of like in Rayman Origins and the Legends demo, which I'll get to when you're done with this. Yeah, and it's definitely... How you have to find all the little people in the cages. I forgot what they're called, Luminis, or right. whatever in Rayman. How you know there's the secret? You find oh, all yeah, the yeah, 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 it's yeah, like yeah, that yeah. where they're like tucked away in corners or in secret rooms or yeah. So yeah. It definitely adds a lot of I don't want to say replay value, but just more gameplay, just more things to do, and it's right. really fun. Right. I would recommend playing it with more people if you have more people. And, but, it, and it does have online co-op, oh, yeah, that's yeah. worth mentioning. Yeah, I mean, that's... So if you have a friend that lives far away and you want to play, trying to, director's cut... Yeah, ideally play with someone you know, playing with a random, like, you might get someone that's too impatient, because this right. is definitely a game where it, some platforms do get kind of harder, like, judge distance or jump across, and you might mess up a lot, and, I mean, I was getting frustrated with my brother, he was getting frustrated with me, so... Yeah. There's a fist fight that ensued, tears were shed, blood was an- spilled. Had to buy another Wiimote. <laughs> Gamepad is now blood red, forever stained. Yeah, yeah, it, it was brutal. I'm glad I was. So, I'm glad I just heard about it and didn't witness. So, it. so good game. <laughs> so you, if I were you, I'd get it while it's still five dollars cheaper. Yeah, four dollars. Four dollars, whatever. And that will be till January seventh. January seventh, third, fourth, and seventh are the three expiration dates. Seventh is um, for trying to director's cut. And the third and fourth are Chasing Roar and Little Inferno, but I don't remember which is which of those. Those aren't respective dates. Like, it's not. One of them's the third, one of the fourth. Basically, act this week if you want to buy it. Yeah. Uh, so that's what you have to say about trying to, I guess. So yes. So while you're playing that, I actually have not downloaded very many games yet. I need to get on that. I'm going to download Little Inferno while it's on sale, which is good, because I think we're going to talk about it next episode. But um, what I did play that's new is Rayman Legends demo from the eShop for the Wii U. And, you know, it's nice. It's the same game as what's Best Buy. as FS Buy and what we played at the two different Nintendo events we went to, uh, Comic-Con and the Wii U Experience yeah, except Tour. for the music level was different from Comic-Con. No, they both had Black Bay. No. Didn't they? Oh, you're right. Comic-Con. You're right. The music level's different. But yeah, there was the one from E3. You're right. Yeah, we played E3s. Uh, but what's different about this, playing it at home versus going to Best Buy and playing it, is it's not in two-player mode by default. How it was at the Wii U experience and how it is at Best Buy is that Wiimote that's on the kiosk is the game thinks it's being used. So it doesn't, it changes how it plays when you're playing by yourself. Like when you are only one player with no other controllers attached to the system, it's different. For example, well first the demo as a whole, so Rayman Legends, as you probably are aware, is a very stylish, very, very nice looking hand-drawn platformer, 2D platformer, and um... How it works is the demo comes with three levels. You have one, you have two platforming levels and a music theme, like auto running almost. Well, not auto running, but you have to keep up with the beat, so you have to run level. Uh, the two platforming levels, particularly the first one where you're in, a, where you have to manipulate the environment. In two player, how it works is one player plays Murphy. He's a little, actually rather fat, uh, bulbous fairy thing, 
frog, flying that. frog. He has a big head. He has a very big head. Too big ego, I guess. But uh, yeah, big head, no body. Uh, and he, well, tiny body. And he, um, how it works is when you're doing two player, he is the gamepad. He's the cursor for the gamepad. So everything you do on the gamepad to manipulate the, the level to let Rayman through, you're doing on the gamepad while the other player is Rayman with the Wiimote. When you do single player, this changes. And you play as Rayman, and then he basically tag teams with uh, his buddy, what's his name, Gluebox, Glowbox, the big pudgy blue thing. Yeah, the Glowbox. Yeah. Yeah. They high five. And you never control Gluebox, Glowbox, Goldbox, Goldfish. You never control him. You now control Murphy on the gamepad. So if you're playing alone with the gamepad, you're actually not controlling any of the platforming for half of that level. Instead, you're only doing the environmental manipulation. It becomes more strategic. In that it becomes way more... That's what I was going to say. It's yeah, way, you can't just open every platform because then... It's way more strategic them. because you, you can't... Op exactly. You can't open everything because it's strategic and you're, you're, being, you're helping a computer character. So I can't go... like I can't be playing with you, Jose, at Best Buy at the demo unit and be like, hold up, let me go over here. You have to make sure... Okay, I can only drop this first pillar for what's his name to jump on, but not let him jump on a second one because then he'll go to the left because that's the only like you have to kind of think how the AI would think. So it's actually a very different dynamic than when you're playing. Yeah, at least you don't have to worry about him demos. dying. Yeah, he doesn't die. But the the environmental manipulation, real quick, it's like you're cutting ropes to drop platforms. You're pulling drawers, which act as platforms. You're hitting enemies to knock them out. You're tickling enemies so Glowbox or whatever his name is can go and punch them. Because that makes perfect sense in any situation. Tickle to win. Uh, you, like, all that is there in the multiplayer demo that you've probably played at Best Buy if you have played it. Wait, that's a dumb statement. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably at, in the Best Buy demo. If you've tried it, you've done all this, but you haven't done it in this way. Yeah, it changes and, and the structure of the game. you can play with game. up to four people, so... Yeah, and you can play with up to four people, and you can choose a whole bunch of different playable characters in the demo. But all that, like, the dynamic is just way different when you play solo. It really gives a better idea of how it will be when you play it come February 26th when it comes out. Yeah, you can play with Angry Merida. Yeah. Similarly, uh, so there's a second level that's just straight up normal platforming. You're just Rayman the whole time. And then the third level is one of those music levels. Basically, once again, in multiplayer, one person's knocking things out of the environment. They're pressing eyeballs in time with the music, giant eyeballs. And those do different things to the environment. In... When you're single player, you're just Rayman and you're running to the music. So you're jumping to the music. The obstacles that the person knocked out when you do multiplayer aren't being knocked out anymore. They're just shorter and you jump over them in most cases. So once again, it, it dynamically changes and the dynamics of it change based on how many players you have. So that's something you can't experience in stores because it's only multiplayer in stores. But at home, you actually get a different experience entirely. So that's all I really wanted to say is that it's a nice indicator of what Rayman Legends will be like single player because that's how a lot of people end up playing most of it. And it's still, myself primarily, and it's still it's still really fun, it's still really good, and it still looks gorgeous. So I'm very... Still a must-buy. Yeah, it's still definitely a must-have for the Wii U and I am really looking forward to February 26th when it comes out. And those are my impressions. Thank you. I'm <laughs> bowing. No one's seen me bow. Thank you. So normally... Does deserve clapping soon though. Yeah, normally we wrap up here. Once we're done playing, what's there to do? You're not, we're not playing, we're not talking, we're not things to say. This time, however, as you may have noticed if you look at a calendar, it's the, this episode's going up two days before the end of the year. You might be listening to this in 2013. I don't know, but fact of the matter remains. Now's the time for reflection. It's time to look back. It's time to celebrate the year in gaming. That was 2012. And I don't know why I'm going into weird Oscar presentation <laughs> mode. So let's take a moment, shall we, and have a retrospective. For those who we... Oh, wait, no. I was going to In Memoriam moment. <laughs> Let's have a retrospective on the games that we... Really, we want to highlight yeah. the games that we think Random are the Nintendo's best. Nintendo's games of the year. Yeah, we want to highlight what we so think the were the best annual. games. 
We last no awards for them. For those who made, yeah, no awards. Sorry, you get a thumb. You get a me saying you get a thumbs up as your reward. You don't even get a thumbs up. You just get me saying you get a thumbs up. You get a sound bite. Maybe next year I'll yeah, draw, you have to crop yourself. I'll draw like a picture for every game that won or something. That'd be kind of cool, actually. But yeah, last year we did a whole episode all about the year that was because there was you know so many mysteries about the Wii U and the 3D and the 3DS was entering its first full year and whatnot. This year, you know, everything's kind of fallen in place. We've done so much speculation. We just want to look back on the games specifically and what we thought were the best of the best. So we're going to break it down into each platform, and we'll pick our personal favorites. There's no limit how many we picked. There's no, you know, there's no real, we each did it with our own mindset. It's just what we personally feel. But we thought we'd take a little few minutes to talk about what we enjoyed the most. Yeah, so so uh, let's go in order. Just go with Wii 3DS Wii U. Because that's, that's uh, if you want. Wouldn't it make more sense to do Wii U, Wii 3DS, DS? Well, we don't even have DS. There's well, I only think just because the Wii's already out the door. Okay. Alright, so let's uh, take, you take the lead. So for Wii, I don't know, the best game of this year for the Wii, in my opinion, obviously. Well, first, we just want to really quick say there weren't very many. <laughs> it really came down to... Yeah, there was Kirby. Oh, that's true. Xenoblade. There was Blade. There was, there was yeah, there's Kirby, Xenoblade, and Rhythm Heaven. And I'd say... Call of Duty. On the Wii? Black Ops 2 on the Wii, no, it's not. No, it's not. There, no. Wasn't there anything on the Wii? Basically, it boils down, in my mind, to Rhythm Heaven, Xenoblade, which I didn't even play, and uh, Kirby. So, you you go first. Yeah, for me, it's definitely Rhythm Heaven Fever. Edgy probably figured out, if you're a long-time listener, yeah, he's obsessed with all Heaven Rhythm Fever. games. So, go ahead. Yeah, it's all the games. It's just, it's just addictive. It's like the most fun I've had on the Wii game since, I don't know, probably the last two years. Because I started playing it, I played an import version of it the year before so and even then i still wasn't tired of it like it's just more more the same and that's not a bad thing more catchy tunes more unique levels obviously like the replay value varies because i mean it's not that long of a game and they don't really give you more things to unlock after Mm -hmm. but if you really like the game you'll keep playing it and that's all that really matters replay value shouldn't be the developer giving you tons of more levels it's just was the game generally fun enough to play again yeah and i we literally started it from beginning to end about eight times. I created like eight different save files throughout the course of since it came out. And I, That's crazy. I didn't edit it that much. And sometimes I would do like a run where I'll only continue if I got a perfect every single time. So if I got a perfect, I'll start over. Right. Or maybe I'll do an entire run with my eyes closed. And right. I don't know. It's just fun. It's, I love that game. Uh, right. That game. Is that yours? Yep. I think for me, I think I have to agree, actually. Uh, honestly, I only, as far as I can recall, I only bought two Wii games this year, and that was Rhythm Heaven Fever and... Koibi? And Kirby... Uh, Dream Collection? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Kirby Dream Collection Special Anniversary Edition. Now, here's the thing. The Kirby Collection is pretty great. It's Kirby. It's six games of Kirby. But it's all games we've had one way or another before. Rhythm Heaven, I mean, you really highlight what's so great about it. And I actually played primarily your copy for most of the year. I didn't buy it till about a month ago when it was only like 10 bucks at Fry's or something. So I mostly played your copy, but it is a really good game. It has the quirkiness of WarioWare. It has like that offbeat humor that Nintendo, you know, that some Nintendo's games are best when they have. And it is really fun. It's really simple. Pick up and play, but it takes, it has a lot of depth if you want to master everything. Yeah, at its core, what I really love about it the most is that, um, to me, it's like the an ideal game because, like, for the Wii, like, obviously the graphics aren't like pushing the Wii's 
But they do it, but they just, look so crisp. Yeah, that's it. Like, it's just, like, really good, like, tradition, like, no, well, flash animation. It's basically flash but, animation, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it doesn't try to do anything complicated. It just sticks with two buttons. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't even try and shoehorn motion yeah, controls. Like, like it just, it does, it, it just the developer, it just yeah. goes for maximum. Exactly. And the developers yeah. clear, I mean, they said this in an interview that they could have done swing the Wii remote to the rhythm, but it just didn't feel, like, good enough. So they just stuck with button presses. They did what worked, and it just worked really well. And that's why Rhythm Heaven Fever, I think, is both of our uh, Wii games of the year. Yep, and our last one. And, yeah, and probably the last. And also, uh, if you want to hear more about Rhythm Heaven Fever, if you're intrigued about this game, that is really a sleeper hit. Like, the people that have it love it, but not that many people have it. Uh, I encourage you to yeah, go and all the way... price, too. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It is now, yeah. I encourage all of you that may have any interest been. in... But now it's even more so. It was 30 oh. to begin with, but now it's only, like, 10 at most places. Oh, wow. Or 15. Best Buy had it for 15 it's last week. It is. So I encourage if you have any interest in the game, if you, you know, if you want to learn more before you buy, check out, uh, go back, ramtown.com, episode 8, We Got the Fever, where we talk pretty in-depth about Rhythm Heaven Fever. So I definitely encourage you to check that out for more info on that. Um, I guess now let's switch over to 3DS. Yeah, 3DS. There was a lot of good games this year. Yeah, this year was a, I mean, when you look back at, like, 2011... With the 3DS, that was the year it launched. Everyone immediately was like, oh, Mario 3D Land Mario Kart. They were like two weeks apart. Such a great year for 3DS. But if you look at this year, there's a lot of really good games just spread out yeah. a little thin. But yeah. when you think... For everybody, too. Like, yeah, it was like a Kingdom good Hearts, variety. Paper Mario, Kid Icarus, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, there was Metal Gear. There was Resident Evil. There was New Super Mario Bros. 2. There, there was Style Savvy, which for the people that like that game, it is a good... Bunch of good downloadable. It is a good uh, simulation game. And there's all the downloadables, Crash Mo, Dylan's Rolling Western, uh, Soccer Samurai. There, it literally is a huge list. So if we had to weigh it down, I guess you can once again go first. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, for me, even though there was a ton of games I really loved this year, like it was still pretty easy for me to pick which one I carried that was the best. Mm-hmm. And that was definitely Resident Evil Revelations. Man, I never thought I would love a Resident Evil game this much. It's interesting because Resident Evil Revelations is really a return to form for the it's series. Funny, like the, it's the nothing best, like 4, 5, and 6. The best it's like version the of Resident Evil in recent years is on the 3DS. Yeah, That's... and it's old school. It's not even like... It feels more like the old Resident Evil. Like when you're in the mansion and it's very narrow confines. Than yeah, it's the like it took the best of Resident Evil 4 and the first Resident Evil, like 1, 2, and 3. Yeah. And, it's the action of Resident Evil 4 with the uh, environment and structure of Resident yeah, Evil Yeah, just replace the mansion with a chip. Exactly. Yeah, it's like compelling single player, tons of replay value. Like I've done the campaign maybe three times, and you get and every time it's a little different. You get reward, you get new weapons, you get I don't know all these little perks. The multiplayer is like deep and addictive, and honestly, like from and it really showed me like a lot of like what the 3ds can really do, or like its full. Potential. Oh, in terms of like graphic power. Yeah, graphic yeah. power. Even just like some of the things, just like um. Like, little touches, like, the street path. Like, even more... I would say even more so for me, at least, like, than Super Mario 3D Land. Yeah. Like, I mean, I've never, ever really had a problem with, um... Like, judging distance with platformers and stuff like that. So, like, the 3D and Super Mario Bros. 3D Land didn't really do nothing for Yeah, that was, like, a problem Nintendo created that didn't exist. Yeah. It's great for platformers where you don't know where to jump. No one has that issue. Like, like the only time it was ever, like, oh, that's cool, was in those little, like, the fun boxes. The Mario Sunshine-style mini-level things. No, not not even. It's, like, where it was, like... Oh, you mean, like, a small contained room. Right, right. The diorama-looking things. Yeah, there were just optical illusions, and that's it. That was, like, the only thing that made the 3D, like, oh, that's cool. But, um, for this one, like, I did not get the, the Circle Pad Pro. I played with the gyro. Right. And the gyro, and, like, I don't know, the graphics are just really good. Like, it didn't have to be that good, but 
I don't know. There were like you forget you're playing on like a portable when like you're playing. Yeah. I don't know. It's just it, I was speechless because of that. I played Resident Evil Five and loved it. Nice. And I'm playing Ring with Resident Evil Six. So. Right. Yeah. Um. And if you want to learn more about watch watch how I'm plugging every single thing. <laughs> if you want to learn more about uh, Resident Evil Revelation, see the nice thing about your interview is it's a great chance for you to learn about these things you may have missed. I mean, we we didn't even mention the games we were just talking about. We didn't mention there was Tales of. Uh, the Abyss this year. Yeah, I, I love that game too. There was there was Rhythm uh, Thief. There's there a lot this year or this past year that you don't really think about. So if you want to learn more Virtue's about Virtue's Last Reward, Virtue's Last Reward. Honestly, that I mean, I do have to give a nod to that game in some way because that game, if I had played it, I don't know, it could have probably been better than Revelations, but because I haven't beaten Nine Nine Nine, and it's six other endings that I only beat three. Yeah, I don't really want to play it until I've beaten that one. So right, yeah. Yeah, so, but with Resident Evil, if you want to learn more about Jose's 3DS game of the year, uh, I encourage you to check out episode 7 of the podcast, Evil Moves In. You can find it at roundtown.com, of course. And, uh, yeah, we go really in-depth with impressions for that. So that's your pick. For me, For me, it was interesting, because I didn't... The 3DS... Okay, we have established yeah, good games. Rhythm Thief was good. I really like New Super Mario Bros. 2, as I mentioned on the podcast before. Uh, the Coin Rush mode is a nice twist on the traditional gameplay. Kid Icarus, which we haven't talked about in a long time. I think last time we talked about it. And that was a, a surprisingly good game. Yeah, but... Yeah, it really... It, there was a lot of good stuff, but I wanted something that really, truly was like, this is what the 3DS is about. Not even so much like it showcases the horsepower like Resident Evil, but really like, this is what makes the 3DS... Oh, 3D, perfect. This makes sense. The game's really fun. It just clicks, you know? So for me, at first, I was kind of like, well, Kid Icarus does that. Because it's like, oh, whoa, check it out as you're flying. The 3D looks beautiful. Everything like, It uses AR. It uses AR. It does all these things. It's really like, and it's a solid game. It's a very Star Fox, Sam Patrick style game. And we talked about it in depth back in episode 10. Uh, here's looking at you, kid Icarus. God, that title. But, uh, but my main complaint with that was I am left-handed, and there was no, without buying a Circle Pad Pro, there was no comfortable, fully usable, equal to being right-handed control method for lefties. So that kind of fell to the wayside, and I didn't play it as much as I was hoping as a result, because it was just cumbersome. So I think, and I'm not saying that would be my pick if it wasn't for controls, but it was definitely a contender. I think my actual pick, though, and like I said, New Super Mario Bros. 2, really good, cool ideas, but I think my actual pick is Paper Mario Sticker Star, which is a relatively new game. But I don't know, something about just, it really feels like you're playing a cardboard shoebox diorama. It is insane how, like, diorama-y it feels. Like, everything about it's like... Everything looks like cardboard, things fall over, there's like domino effects of like things hanging from the ceiling, bashing into other things, bashing into other... It just like, the game just looks so cool, mm. and the gameplay, I really like... I know it's not a lot of people are like, oh, well, it's not a traditional Mario RPG in the sense that... Or a Paper Mario game in the sense that there's no leveling up, there's no, there's no experience. But I kind of like how it's more of a mix of Paper Mario and Zelda almost. Like, I really do like that aspect, and it does still have experience in leveling, or experience in new moves through leveling up. They just don't call it that. Your battles, when you get coins, those are your experience points. What you use those experience points for? More fancy moves that you buy at the shop or that you find as you progress through the game. You only get to the later parts of the game when you're better at the game. You only get better at the game when you have more experience. Only in the later parts of the game do you get access to some of the cooler moves. Like, it, it's, you know, it kind of takes the RPG core concepts and kind of messes up with, messes around with them a little. So it's not like a true RPG as people expect it, but I still really enjoyed it. And I can't get over how, like, gorgeous the game looks on 3DS. So it's, yeah, I mean, a lot of people... Way, it looks as good as Resident Evil, like... Yeah. Like, yeah. It, uh, and I just, I don't know, it's just... And the humor's good, and it just, it has the right charm. It's just something about it. I can't quite put my finger on it. Have you thrown the bowling ball yet? I think... 
Yes. Yeah. yeah that does the whole. Yeah. Yeah. That was hilarious. Yeah. It's, it's just it's just a great game. So that gets Throw my the bowling ball. <laughs> that gets my pick for uh, the 3DS game of the year. And I realize a lot of people are like, well, the reviews weren't. Well, probably no one's criticizing our personal picks, but. Generally speaking, a lot reviews, of people... Even, even at the score review, there's still, like, opinions of that person. That yeah, and I was just saying, a lot of reviews said it wasn't that great because, you know, it, it didn't help you as much as it could. There are times you're stuck, which is true, but I think overall, if you look beyond its flaws, it's just a fun, charming, really cool 3D I mean, just game. Just like a zombie you and... That yeah, extent. exactly. Yeah, can't really so, reviews. Yeah, but, I mean, we, we said it a number of times. I just want to say, again, 3DS had a good year of games. There's literally more variety than I've seen in quite a while on any system. That's yeah. made by Nintendo, at least. So, yeah, if you want to learn more, of course, about Paper Mario, we actually talked about pretty recently in episode 29 of Paper Thin Weight, which actually was our uh, pre-Wii U launch special. So if you want to reminisce about the last-minute frenzy that was the Wii U launch while learning about Paper Mario, check out that episode. Uh, I think we have DS. We didn't really play anything this year, so I think we can jump straight to Wii U. I think there wasn't. There's Pokemon I mean, Black and White 2, and instead of playing it, we spent the whole episode, episode 27, Pocket <laughs> we, we Monster playing, Problems, I mean, we talking about... Pokemon right. White and Black. And yeah, so we spent a whole episode hard, talking about fatigue of, po- of the Pokemon franchise, yeah. which, by the way, coincidentally, is our most popular episode to date. So thank you, all those Pokemon fans that probably hate us, but chose to no, listen to our arguments. Pokemon's so clean. Yeah, no, I, I still like Pokemon. I just think it was a little too much. Yeah. I mean, I, I rediscovered later and stuff, but that's just like old stuff like that I'm just catching up on. Right, there's not really anything this year for Just so I could get the new Layton, which is more relevant. Yeah. But, yeah. but uh, Wii U. I guess that's the, bi- that's the big one. I mean, that's their new system. They had 30, over 30 games are now out for the system. Yeah, and honestly, like, it has a lot of good games on there. Like, even if, like, just ignore the fact that they are ports. I mean, we're getting, like, a lot of Game of the Year contenders, like, o- across the board, like, you're getting your Assassin's Creed. You're getting Mass Effect. You're getting even Batman Arkham City, Batman. which has one game of the year last yeah, year. Yeah, Call of Duty. Black which... Ops Two is really good. Yeah, yeah, so I mean, even ignoring the Nintendo exclusive, there's there's a lot good of very good content. Game. I mean, just the fact that they're ported just at all is happy. Yeah, it's, it's, it was to, a like, good launch. It was a good launch. It had a very good variety of games. You can never satisfy people. Like honestly, like yeah. So some, I mean, just a really quick side note. Something I yeah, noticed today. Um, when there were there were. Uh, Game traders, they awarded their best, <laughs> best Wii, Wii U game. game. What they give it and, to? And um, they gave it to Black Ops Two, but all the nominees were third party games, which and that's it, uh, see, and, that's and, and none of them were first party games. And one would think like, oh look, um, Nintendo is getting a bunch of third party attention. That's actually kind of cool. That's kind of what they wanted. But in the comments, everyone's really feels like, oh, I don't want to look at all these stupid third party games. Give us Nintendo Land. Give us this and that. So yeah, like the people who are usually going like, oh, Nintendo has no third party. Nintendo games. has not an awful. Not that the third party are getting attention. They want Nintendo has an awful catch twenty two. They're in where all the third, all the fans, us included, demand third party games. We spent all of last episode, episode thirty two, saying how we, to us. And we're not gonna, we weren't gonna buy two of those episodes, of those games I listed last episode when proving my point about third party support as like Crisis and. uh Bioshock and all these others, Tomb Raider, uh, Need for Speed, a whole bunch of stuff. Of those games, how many were we actually going to buy, if you had to guess? We're part of the problem, too. I would I would buy... Um, actually, I'd probably buy a few. I would definitely buy... Um, I'd, I'd buy Bioshock. Bioshock Infinite. I'd, I'd probably buy, buy Tomb Raider. I'd buy Tomb Raider. Okay, so we're a bad example. But a lot of... Uh, me, in the GameCube days, I guess, is a better one. I would always be like, oh, so many third-party games I, I would want if they were on the system. Then they'd get ported eventually, and I would never buy them. I'd always buy Nintendo. It was like, Nintendo fans are part of the problem, whether they want to admit it or not, in that... It's yeah. how stuck in a... They're also the ones that demand more Zelda, yeah. but also saying there's too much Zelda. Yeah, Nintendo's in once every five years. Reggie, so we talked like... about this, I don't remember when, maybe four or five months ago, Reggie said to Kotaku or someone, or Kotaku reported, that Reggie's saying that they're like stuck in a vicious cycle that they can't get out of, or everyone, it's like there's too much of this, too little of that. Oh, now there's too much of that, too little of this. Like, it, they can't win. 
Yeah. People just like to complain. It's the internet. But with that said, um, I guess since we were talking about third party versus first party, if you don't mind, I'll go first with the Wii U yeah. game, and then you can go. Uh, so for Wii U, I kind of had that similar dilemma where I was like, well, there is, like, I really like Black Ops 2, but I was thinking similar to the 3DS, where I was like, I didn't just want to pick a game that was good. I wanted one that was good and exemplify what made the system so great, if that makes sense. And Black, o- Black Ops 2 doesn't necessarily, it's a very solid game, online super fun, but doesn't, you know, use much of the features. You can tell they definitely tried a little more on their port 2 than other ports. Too, oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah, for sure. Like, it, it, it's a good port, but, um... I mean, really, it comes down... The only two games I've played or owned this year are New Super Mario Bros. U and Nintendo Land. And for me, even though I'm trying to focus on what makes the Wii U so unique, for me, it really boils down to Nintendo Land's fun for multiplayer and it's fun for single player. But unless you're into super hardcore, like, high-score competition sort of stuff, eventually, you'll just, you'll, you know, Nintendo Land will run out of steam. Mm-hmm. Unless That's you have a lot of friends. Mario, and this is kind of from the fanboy of New Super Mario... Or not New Super. This kind of from the fanboy of Super Mario World. New, New Super Mario Brothers U feels like the spiritual successor to Mario World. So, even though it doesn't necessarily exemplify what makes the Wii U so interesting, I just I am really enjoying the game. And at the end of the day, I know I'm trying to be like, oh, well, I want something that I like a lot and you know shows off the system. Yeah, a good game is a good. Game. At the end of the day, a good game is a good game, and Mario is a really. I'm really liking it. It's way more creative than New Super Mario Brothers Two, which in itself had Coin Rush mode, which I thought was great. Um, it's just really fun. It's classic Mario. It feels like what Mario... It really feels like new Super, the next Super Mario World. So, it has some bizarre enemies that I love. There's this, there's this goofy-looking... I posted this on Miiverse. Remember that oh, follows yeah, us yeah, on yeah, Miiverse? Or, there's this goofy... Yeah, you did. There's this goofy-looking walrus with goggles that throws snowballs. He kind of reminds me of Bidoof, the Pokemon. And when I saw him, I'm just like, this is like the best thing I've ever seen. He's purple. He, he's, pink. he's pink. Oh, he's pink. He's bright pink. Yeah, he does kind of look like Grimace, but he's bright pink, and he wears ski goggles, even though he's a walrus and he lives in the snow. What? <laughs> so, yeah, he, I mean, even little things like that, they, they've added so many new enemies to that game, and the level design's clever, and there's really clever uses of Werefight and Star Coins. I just really enjoyed New Super Mario Bros. U. I think that gets my pick, and we talked a lot about it, if you want to hear about it more. Although, you could just go play it, presumably. Episode 30, um, our Wii U launch special, we go in-depth with impressions of that. So that's where you can remember about that. Good choice. So, but I, I do feel kind of weird because I made such a point with the 3DS of, oh, something that exemplifies the system. And even with the Wii U, I was like, I didn't consider Black Ops because it was, I don't know. It's a weird, Yeah. it's kind of like I'm like arguing with myself over semantics, but I'm going with Mario. Yeah, I, I could say I'm kind of in the same boat. Like I was kind of going like, huh, like a game that, same thing, like kind of makes you go like, huh, like this is definitely something you could only do on the Wii U. And kind yeah. Of thing. But honestly, like, I mean, we've talked about this game a lot already, so I'm not going to go into too much of it, but definitely for me, with Sonic and Sega All-Stars Racing Transformed. Yeah, like, you're obsessed with that, that game. game you're me, legitimately obsessed. That game caught me off guard. I just love it so much. Everything about it. And actually, like, some of the little things about the Wii U, like, that make that I could only do on the Wii U, like the, oh, like the gamepad only playing, like, right. you only play on the gamepad. Right. Like, all those little conveniences, like, work really well. Like, since right now, my brother's on vacation, so he plays his PS3 a lot when I want to play, so just having that convenience of only using the gamepad is really, really Which, cool. by the way, Black Ops and Mario, since I mentioned them earlier, they yeah. both do that very well as well. I've done that with Mario countless times when I, like, and, you know, someone's so, watching TV and, and, and so I'm like, oh. You, you just, like, kind of, like, drag. Yeah, actually, Sonic does it cool. Screen, yeah. yeah, Sonic does it cool because you do a downswipe gesture. 
Yeah, or an upside. Or an upside to go back to TV. It's very Apple, actually, and how it handles it. Yeah, so, like, I mean, there are some things that I'll just say, like, I didn't really talk about the first time. But, um, like, I mean, replay value, it has a ton. Like, after you do, like, the World Tour mode, which takes a long time, Mm -hmm. like, you still have, like, a bunch of stamps to collect, which are basically your achievements. Mm -hmm. And those, like, give you, like, so many different ways to play the game. And then there's also, like I mentioned, you level up your characters, which give you due modifications. And it also keeps track of how many mods you have, so it makes you want to get right. all of them. And to get all of them, you essentially have to play as every single character at some point in the game, like for probably a good hour each character before you level them up all the way. So after doing that, you end up playing through, yeah, you play as everything, you get a really good sense of like the mechanics of the game and how every single type of racer works. So right. I don't know, it just makes you, it makes you really good at the game. When I first started, I was really bad. I didn't know how the courses worked. And now you're really good. It's a success story, a and before playing, and after. <laughs> and after playing all the time trials and everything, like, I mean, obviously it's a given. You play game enough, you're going to get good. Do you take a before photo and an after photo? No. Oh, wow. And just throw, like, the online. I guess online, you're not a Weight Watchers commercial. And then. just throw the online in there, and it just gets crazy. Like, I've seen, I've played people online, I'll look at their little cards, and for me, like, on my little thing, I said, like, all 25 hours in, and I have, like, 91% complete on like the total collectibles and stuff but there's some people that have like over a hundred and something hours in the game and they've collected nothing they've just been playing only online yeah so there's a lot of people with like that black ops yeah there's definitely a lot of stuff and i mean i just keep going back to like even like i've already like five starred new super mario the v that's like getting everything 100 percent, and there's still like the challenges to do and same thing with zombie you just i could still play the game again to get to the other achievements right but i don't know i'm not really compelled much to like go back and play them right now i'm just just, sonic is just too fun right now to not play like when i just gonna i feel like playing a game i'll just play sonic right so once like i don't know i guess i exhaust that game or all that's left to do is just play online then i'll go back to all the other ones i mean i love nintendo and all those but something about sonic just it's just new and different like just the transforming mechanic just works so well it just it's yeah it's just new like zombie you i mean I mean, it's a really fun game. I love all of them. New Super Mario is just more Mario, so I could play that whenever. Right. But, yeah. Right. My new favorite game. So, if you want, because we, we this is now the third episode in a row we talked about Sonic, but if you want to hear about uh, his initial impressions and his impressions after they patched the game that was horribly glitched out, episode 31, Crash Mode Crash Course, and episode 32, our last episode, Playing Soccer and Automobiles, where you can hear lots more, and yeah, I mean, and I mean lots more. <laughs> About about uh, Sonic and All Stars Racing Transformers. Yeah. I don't know. Wait, is it still considered a spoiler if I say the name of that character that you get? No, nah, it's already been Christmas. It's already been Christmas. All right, so you get Alex Kidd. Is the he... original Sega mascot, Alex Kidd. Yeah, he was also in the first. I don't know. He... Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, he just unlocked it. on Christmas Day. Yeah, right? it just is like, oh, here's a gift from Sega. Yeah, it's like Happy Holidays. Here's Alex. Yeah, but um, I don't know. Something weird I've noticed. Whenever I'm playing a Grand Prix or anything with him, at at some point he just stops racing. He just sits there. Yeah. And at first I thought, okay, maybe just a weird glitch in the stage. And nobody does that like in almost every stage. So I don't know what's wrong with him. It's just weird. Patch number two on the way. <laughs> maybe, he's, maybe he's sentient and just refuses to race. <laughs> Possibly. Creepy. Possibly. Well, but with that, those were our game of the year picks. So uh, just nice little summary, I guess, on the Wii. We both agreed Rhythm Heaven Fever is the must-have game and is super cheap in most places. Especially now that we're in after Christmas sale. So go find it. It's like 10 or 15 bucks and it's totally worth it. Or you could wait for it to be 5 bucks on Best Buy. They'll do that from time Yeah, they'll do that again. Um, and then for DS, uh, Jose, you said Resident Evil Revelations. I said Paper Mario Sticker Star. Wii U, I went with New Super Mario Bros. U and you went with Sonic and also Great Transform. So it's a pretty, pretty good variety of games. So um, 
Yeah, not once all again, first can, party either, so... No, not yeah. all first party. And once again, you can browse through our very extensive archive of now 33 episodes, if you count today's, uh, covering every, pretty much every major release this year, I'd say. Every major 3DS and Wii and Wii U release we talked about, yeah. which is a pretty cool achievement. Um, and of course, we I said... We an achievement. We did achievement unlocked. Oh, that's Xbox. I can't say that. But now... Accomplishment <laughs> received. <laughs> yeah, accomplishment granted. <laughs> but uh, I know I said something similar to this in our Wii U, episode, Wii U launch special episode where I was like, oh, you know, it's just the beginning. But I just saw our episode where here we are. It's the end of 2012. It's a crazy year for Nintendo. All, like, all in all. It, you know, we had a new system launch. We had the 3DS basically reinvent itself. It was a busy year and next year if it's any, if this year's any indication next year's gonna be pretty crazy too i mean that's the year we're gonna start seeing info on the new zelda game a new metroid game presumably smash bros will probably start getting legit info e3 in may or june is gonna be insanity like nintendo has to trot out the big guns because they simply don't have any other option at this point in the sense that like they need to get people to want these systems and they're gonna do it with some of the probably best games in a while because desperate desperate nintendo's best nintendo so, it's going to be a cool year. 2012 was a good year. 2013 is going to be an insane year. And uh, I think I speak for both of us when I say that I hope you guys, our listeners, choose to stick with us through all that insanity. There's going to be a lot of ups and downs with Nintendo, no doubt about it. It's going to be really fun to commentate on and have conversations with you on through the site, through Twitter, through Meverse, through whatever else we may do. In the meantime, of course, um, if you want to talk to us now, even though the ups and downs haven't are kind of you know resting because it's the new year, um... Feel free to follow us at Ram Nintendo on Twitter or individually. I'm JSR7. He is at Wero, W-E-I-R-O underscore O on Twitter. Uh, on Meverse, friend or follow us, I'm Jason R. He is the exact same name as on Twitter. Uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes so you make sure you don't miss an episode. Keep an eye on RamNintendo.com for all sorts of extras. We already did uh, our Nintendo Power Goodbye article, so if you missed that, go check it out. It's a nice little send-off I gave it. I'm, I'm kind of proud of the article. Um, and we're going to have some cool extras coming in January. Or in the coming months. Yeah, I think January is when we're going to start with the game choice thing, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, basically yeah. what we're going to do, a little teaser. This is coming sometime this month, this coming month. Yeah, and then prob- and then ideally every consecutive month. Every month, then. yeah. We're basically going to pick, kind of like we did just now for games of the year, we're going to pick the games that defined our childhood. Not necessarily the best games, the games we enjoyed the so most. So these are our all-time, these are our all-time, all-time favorite, favorite games. games of our childhood. And we're going to start with Super Nintendo and work our way up from there covering every platform. So yeah. Super Nintendo. Probably all the way up to N64, maybe not Wii because... Well, well yeah, you no, forgot yeah, GameCube no. in there. Oh, yeah, wait. Pro- all the way up to Wii. Game, you mean all the way up to GameCube? All the way up through GameCube. Yeah, all the way. Yeah. Up to so it's gonna be it's gonna be a running series. We've been playing it for a while, and the cool thing about it is it's like, oh, okay, you can just list some games. Uh, Jose, who does some really good drawings, is actually gonna be doing special drawings of each game. So it'll be neat just to look at those. If you, if you don't have so to, instead ca- of just posting a screenshot, I'll just if you don't care, yeah, if you don't care what we have to say, that's fine. Just look at his pretty pictures. But um, in the meantime, so that's coming sometime in January. We're gonna have all sorts of other stuff as news breaks, of course, and we'll be back in two weeks. On, um, you know, I really should just have the date ready instead of always going, what date is our next episode? Uh, we will be back on the 13th of January with a brand new episode with impressions of games like Little Inferno, Chasing Aurora, uh, Gunman Clive. We're going full force with the download stuff because really there's nothing else. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, until then, uh, we wish you guys a happy new year and we will see you in 2013.